0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: I mean to be preachy in any way, shape or form, but there was a lot of chaos on the roads already this morning. I was listening to column and the lads on breakfast this morning. They were talking about a truck shedding its load but on the bypass in McCroom in Mitchellstown A car overturned on the M8 heading southbound and traffic was badly built up because of it. I hope everyone's all right. Frightening thing to happen to have your car overturn on you uh, on the N25. There were two accidents this morning. One east to carry tool. Earlier accident between Cove and Little Island that is now clearing. And another bad crash between Riverstick and Belgoolie with emergency services on the scene. I think it's been cleared since. Now, we really wouldn't be having those kind of incidents and having this conversation or me talking about it this morning if it wasn't for the weather conditions. And I have to say that it kind of frightens me and saddens me when you see some of the driving habits of people on morning like this morning. It was pretty scary coming out. The uh, South Ring this morning with people herring down the fast lane doing 100 kilometres, 110, 120 kilometres with so much surface water, particularly coming up to and going over uh, bridges and flyovers where water uh, seems to pool. But it's like as if some people think they're absolutely invincible and drove today, um, way too many people drove today like as if it was a, a normal dry day, bright day, and it was none of that. Do you know what I've also noticed? And I don't know if it's just me that's noticed it, but I'm seeing far too many people with end plates driving like lunatics. Not all of them. Clearly, many people have got their end plate and they're behaving very responsibly. But for some reason, I seem to notice the end plate first and then the driving habits of... they, They seem to me to think that they're totally invincible or they believe that they have the best driving skills on the planet, right? Um, and they trust their cars and their tires too much. So that's, the, uh, that's as much you have to say on that matter. Perhaps you have thoughts on it, text 0868104106, but wet and windy uh, with a washout being the description of the weather at the moment in the mirror. It may well be a washout here, but we're looking at a second heat wave to come across Europe by all accounts. There's a satellite image this morning of Spain, it's a colour image of mail, of in the mail, and pretty much the entire map of Spain by satellite is coloured red because of heat, searing heat, uh, right across Europe, and they're just getting over uh, the first, um, you know, Cerberus, which is exhausting itself, um, but now there's another one coming right after it, which is named Sharon. Which who is apparently Hades' ferryman. And Sharon will push temperatures back up uh, to at least uh, the low 40s, if not higher. In fact, they're predicting some of the temperatures across land temperatures in Spain, reaching upwards of 60 degrees Celsius yesterday. They are talking temperatures to come with the next one, um, following Cerberus, forty-five degrees in Spain, Greece, and Turkey by the end of next week. Yes, I said next week, not as if it's going to pass in the next few days. For it won't. There's a lot of court cases making this morning's uh, newspapers from uh, Cork, uh, and one of them is a story that I mentioned on air yesterday, which is which was actually which actually became a, a cold case investigation some years ago, and it is the uh, death uh, by somebody's hand, uh, the illegal killing. Uh, of a a Cork woman. And uh, there's a lot of court reports on it this morning, but I'm actually looking at the mail today because the jury will hear evidence that suggests that a a man who's now 74 years old had sex and murdered a vulnerable woman whose naked and bruised body was found by forestry workers dumped in dense undergrowth 42 years ago. Uh, So this is a case... Um, uh, murder trial that's happening at the Central Criminal Court in Dublin and, and of course DNA evidence and uh, you know swipes and swabs and things like that are central to the case in particular semen reti- retrieved from the victim which matches the DNA of the accused man now the accused man is a man by the name of Noel Long um, and uh, it, it's quite lengthy Noel Long uh, lives in Passage West and has denied uh, murdering uh, Miss Sheehan the death of uh, Miss Sheehan who was a mother and a wife. Her body was found by forestry workers down in Shippool Woods in Cork six days after she went missing. It's such an old case, lads, that um, not all the witnesses will be available to come forward to give evidence because uh, they've died, people die, and sadly that will uh, affect some of the evidence that could be given. Um, but um, Nora Sheehan's body was found in June of 1981. Uh, she lived uh, with her family in Balafihan And the barrister um, who was giving evidence yesterday opening the trial said that she had developed some eccentricities and she had an obsession about a nearby hospital. And apparently she had been treated recently, well, very near to the time when she went missing at the South Infirmary for dog bites. But she often could be seen on the roads near her home or on public streets attempting to wave down cars and talking to people about the goings-on in hospital and things like that. So that's kind of like the backstory. Um, then we probably will hear in evidence from witnesses who saw uh, Miss Sheehan from sometimes between midnight and 4am in the morning, um, the 6th and 7th of June back in 81, but she wasn't seen alive after 4am in the morning and was reported missing to Garda Station. Now, apparently there were forestry workers, both of whom themselves are now dead as well, who reported that they found what looked like a body Um, while they were working at the shipwalled woods, they were forestry workers, Uh, and of course, this started the investigation. Um, Interestingly then, it seems as if the Gardaí stopped Mr. Long's car, in an Opel Cadet car at Curraheen Road in Cork. Now, I'm assuming that in the trial, we'll find out why that stop was initiated. But at the time, he was 32 years old and living in Bishopstown. And counsel said that uh, the car was examined by the technical bureau and they took samples and things like that, carpet fibres and stuff from the boot. Um, and uh, at the same time, of course, they had samples from Mrs. Sheehan's body, which showed the presence of semen. And then years later, in 2008, uh, a cold case review started to put more pieces together with regards to this jigsaw puzzle um, of who killed um, the pensioner. Um, and indeed, I suppose the court case hopes to determine who killed the pensioner and why. So that's where we're at with that. There is another case, of course, um, that also makes the front of the echo today. This a man called Andrew Nash, a 43-year-old, uh, who changed his plea, actually, because he had pleaded not guilty to murdering his late mother's 51-year-old partner in Skibbereen. Six years ago, Andrew Nash from Tipperary denied the murder charge, um, but the jury then were settling in to hear the first witnesses and what have you. And apparently, um, at the same as, as this was happening, um, his defence counsel asked for him to be rearranged in the same uh, on the on the same count. And at that stage, they said as to how he was pleading, and he says that he now pleads not guilty to murder but guilty to manslaughter. So that's why the headline on the Echo says killed mum's partner. Uh, And then there's a very sad case in the courts of uh, a couple that just were not getting along. In fact, uh, Olin Kelleher says it's the saddest case I've come across and the most unusual. He says, I'm not satisfied at all uh, with regards to whether or not there was a breach of safety, safety order, but, and he dismissed the case, but involves a, a husband and wife separated but living in the same family home. Now, it's a very lengthy court report that I won't have time to go into, but Frank Bottomer uh, was, was part of the, the legal team involved on in this, and he said financially they couldn't afford to live separately. Um, the woman said that there was a dispute about who'd sleep in the bed uh, and that she was terrified and claimed that it was part of the coercive control used by her ex-partner. So who would sleep in the bed? Apparently the defendant said, the husband said that his wife went out on Saturdays and he generally, and she didn't generally return and he slept in the bed on the Saturday night. But he came back on a, she came back on a particular Saturday night went up to the bed himself after match of the day and fell asleep and she came back telling him to get out of the bed etc etc. Uh, so it's kind, of, it's kind of sad actually uh, when you hear of cases like that where Marriages and relationships break down, isn't it? But because of financial reasons, people are still bound to each other by having to live in the same home. Uh, so that was before the court courts yesterday. From courts to uh, committees, <clears throat> I mean, if you look at the papers today, you could, have the t- you could have the mail or you could have the red tops with like six and seven pages. Every time you turn a page, it's more and more and more regarding Ryan Tubbity, RTE and everything to do with the Renault payments. Now they're looking at the golden handshakes that RTE chiefs apparently were getting uh, over the years when they leave their job. Uh, they would voluntary, uh, voluntarily retire but get big payouts. This is the allegation. So they're going to launch yet another investigation. I'd love to count up the amount of investigations and tribunals that have been set up by this all of this emanating, of course, from the uh, um, failing to publish the correct figures uh, for Ryan Tuberty's salary. And everything else has come as a result of this, right? Uh, the match tickets for the World Cup, the, rug- the rugby tickets at the Aviva, the flip-flops, um, all of the other stories of restaurant bills and, um, you know, ridiculously expensive lunches and who's got a car and who hasn't got a car and the bloggers and influencers who are using airtime to drive on their own uh, private careers. All of this came from that one thing, primarily the 275 grand payments. So I wouldn't even even know where to start. All of the papers have it. One interesting development on this, of course, is that um, RTE would take back the 150 grand if Ryan Tuberty chooses to pay it back. Now, he has said already that he will pay it back. So what uh, Kevin Backhurst is saying, it's payback time. Let's see if he does. Will that impact on whether or not Ryan Tobin will get his job back? I think it would probably help. I'm not quite sure what, exactly what words were used yesterday by Kevin Backhurst but, Backhurst, but I got the opinion that if he says something along the lines of, when, now he might have said if and when but let's say he did say when we sit down and talk to Ryan Tuberty well he'd hardly say that if they were going to sack him, they would just summarily get rid of him. So if they are going to have a conversation don't you think the conversation would be about a return date and exactly what show he would do? I mean he only, pre- he only presents five hours of radio a week, so how much would that pay? I have no idea, but certainly in, in RT terms it pays masses of money. Uh, so I don't know what it is with Dave Fanning. It's the second apology now in a couple of weeks because he had to apologize for comments about Christy Dignam and now he has to apologize and rightly so for, um, it, it's okay to say I would think a Nuremberg defense where somebody says I was just following an or- orders but comparing the Eroctus committee to the Nuremberg trial of course is a, a very hurtful and distasteful thing to say. Because we know what the Nuremberg trials were all about, so another Reich mess is the Star's front page today. With Dave Fanning saying, "Sorry, uh, you need to be very careful before you tweet things or get into the Twitter world, uh, because um, sometimes it can get you into a lot of hot water." But he's apologised for that one as well. I don't know how many strikes you'll get. I'd say it could be three strikes and you're out. But that's two, so I think Dave needs to be needs to be careful. Tom at RTE, when they do work, they do good work, like RT Investigates. You see that documentary on Monday night about the treatment or the treatment of animals at Irish marts. Now they looked at a number of different marts but one in particular was Canturk Mart uh, which had the secret filming shown on the RT Investigates programme showing bull calves being manhandled a calf falling to the ground as it was boarding a truck. Um, now, I have to say that the parts of those films in Cantork March, the mistreatment of the animals, didn't involve mart staff. And I say that because it, many people are involved along the chain. There would be mart workers, farmers, transporters. But several Irish marts showed some handlers treating young calves, to say the least, with a blatant disregard and respect. It shows examples of slapping, striking and kicking of animals all prohibited by law, throwing them into mid-air. I mean, is that calves they're thrown around? That's shocking. And a recent sharp increase in calves being delivered for slaughter to meat processing plant plants, which is widely condemned in the industry. Would that be condemned because they're just too young to go for slaughter. So that's uh, a story that uh, made the newspapers again yesterday and indeed online because they're saying it's not just issues regarding Canturk, but they also looked at uh, a mart near Formoy and they looked at marts in Kerry and Tipperary and they found other examples of mistreatment of animals. I think it's very unfair, Bandon as well, I think it's very unfair and it's very inhumane and it's very cruel because at the same time you must remember these animals as it is are going to their slaughter, so there should be the utmost of respect shown. And of course, much of it, of course, is to go on our tables for food. And the Examiner this morning tells us something we already knew that it costs more now to eat and buy groceries than it did a year ago. But perhaps you didn't know some of the examples for you, um, with regards to things that are ca- costing more. A slice pan is a, is up eleven cent on last year. Milk is up twenty eight cent uh, a liter. Uh, cheddar cheese is up seventy four cent. A kilo, 74 cent. A pound of butter is gone up 29 cent. Sirloin steak has gone up a euro 22 a kilo. And sausages have gone up 52 cent a kilo. A dozen large eggs are up 34 cent. Much of that would be deemed as staples, to be quite honest, with the things that you would always have in your groceries. But on the basis of that alone... You're looking at a good 7 or 8 or €9 euro straight away just on those few things that were mentioned. And I can't believe that this isn't on the front page of a newspaper. 400,000 people are now in arrears regarding their gas and their electricity. It's a story on the inside pages of the Mail this morning where they say that in 2022 there were 2,498 disconnections for electricity and almost 1,000 for gas. And here was I being told on the air for the last year that people would never be disconnected, that there was always a better way. Clearly isn't true. So between electric and gas, you were looking at nigh on three and a half thousand families or connections um, disconnected for electricity and gas. Great country, isn't it? Great country when the price of gas and electric went through the roof and so did the profits for the providers. I said it before, by this country, you couldn't make it up. And then, of course, the house, the price gouging of hotels, which is another shameless act that they've been at for years. No matter what they tell you, they do it. And you can see it all of the time. And the Britney Spears gig is another example of that. A hotel that might have been 200 bucks is 1,000 euro on the night that Britney Spears comes to town in Dublin and you cannot defund, defend it. Good luck to Falter Ireland, who are going to launch an investigation into price gouging at peak times. They're going to give the report to the tourism minister, who will probably put it in a file in a filing cabinet. And you can't make up your mind, can you, as to whether you should be drinking diet drinks or not. I can understand why, because two different departments within the World Health Organization contradict each other. One says that it is safe, one arm of the of the WHO says it's safe, and the other says that it potentially can cause cancer. What? Well, the actual ingredient aspartame, which can be found I know they hone in on Diet Coke, but it's in a lot more drinks than just Diet Coke. But if I could just put it to you like this, by all accounts, um, and I don't drink them, I do drink Diet Pepsi and I'm quite sure that that has Aspartame too, but you would have to drink 15 cans a day containing the artificial sweetener before you would reach the acceptable level. 15 cans a day I would love to talk on the air to the person who does drink 15 cans of it a day or more I know I've spoken in the past to people who have drank something in the region or three or four two liter bottles a day so that clearly would be a risk but 15 cans a day they say that Donald Trump drinks 12 cans of Diet Coke each day so even Trump regardless of his consumption is still below the level But if you also look, say for instance, at his absolute love affair with McDonald's food, he's in trouble with his heart and his cholesterol and his weight. One other thing for you then when it comes to things what you do be drinking, I don't know if it's relevant here, but in Canada they have recalled Prime Energy Drink, because it's got way too much caffeine in it. But I love this story for the rich and famous, and people who have more money than sense. Mind you, if she worked and she earned it and she bought it, maybe she's entitled to be annoyed that it was scratched. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the wife of Jensen Button, um, who had her, i got to make sure I get this right, her Hermes Birkin handbag Damaged, she called it smashed and scratched, mega scratched, mega damage done by the first class seating on a British Airways airplane. Now a standard Birkin costs about seven thousand six hundred, but the minute you buy it, apparently it goes up in value.
2: Go figure that—the
1: weirdest thing. She has said that because of the damage that her seat did, had did to her bag in first class, that the value of the bag. Has plummeted, and she is asking whether or not there should be designer handbag insurance. Can I say it again? You couldn't make this up. First world problems.
3: I just you just because of Jensen Button, they're having awful luck. Because do you remember a couple of years ago they um, they were gassed in their own home? No, and they had the home. They had the I, home I want to sacked. know
1: more about Formula One because I love it. Anytime I watch it, okay. But a, a buddy of mine, Pat Phelan, just would sit down and watch Formula One all week. Yeah. But anytime I watch it, I'm fascinated. But by no, I know nothing about the backstories of the drivers.
3: Well, Dave, do you need to watch um, Drive to Survive? Start off with Drive to Survive on Netflix. Neil, watch the first season. That's that's after
1: that's after myself and Claire get Go. to watch Barbie
3: the movie yeah yeah Barbie Oppenheimer uh, you know that's the kind of covers the whole lot, doesn't it? You kind of have the two extremes. You know, yeah. But anyway, to the house got burnt down? No? no, no. Somebody, somebody gassed them in their own house. They what? like they put in like um, kind of like a core chloroform kind of type thing in their um, air conditioning system and gassed what? them, and then came in and ransacked their home. It happened a couple of years ago. That's attempted murder. Yeah, everyone could say that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now I suppose anybody that gets into a car, you know, you could say what value do they put in their own life? I tell you one thing. What I saw on the car.
1: roads this morning. you see it, Claire? You yeah. came in. <laughs> And from these the attempted murder on our roads this morning it's shocking isn't it the way people drive
4: I had literally just heard about the accident between Cove and Little Island so I was able to take the back roads but um, oh my god like people with no lights especially it's just crazy you're joking me yeah oh yeah no lights so like you know you, I had my back wiper going 90 but like even if someone's creeping up behind you and they have no lights on it's really really is it that they forget
1: like I what? don't
4: know I feel like, as I, like if it was the winter time people would be switched on but because it's summer I think people switch off to remembering how to drive in that kind of weather and just because it's July doesn't mean that the weather is as bad as it could be on a November morning. It's like, it was
3: like watching the French drive in the rain. Have you ever have you ever driven in France in the rain? Yes. Oh, I have. they just they just don't like it's like it's like the rain a drop of falls and they all just totally forget what that's they're the are is. That's not the mad. That's, that's what it felt like this morning. All right, well,
1: weird. that's why we had all of these problems, The car flipping on its roof and everything. Text 0868104106 You got any motoring stories, do share.
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818104106
1: Red F M. Food Friday today, lads. So make sure you're texting who you are and where you are to 0868104106. And the Red Patrollers this lunchtime will be delivering food that should feed at least fifteen of you, maybe twenty of you. Courtesy of yourselves and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Very, very tasty, delicious food. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106, and we'll start the shout-outs in about forty-five minutes time. Yesterday's conversation with Alistair, who went over to the UK with a van and a trailer to buy a Cosworth with his son that he was bringing back to do up. And, of course, the entire thing was robbed. One of the questions that I I don't know if I asked him, and perhaps a quick call to him, is there any way that he could sue the insurance of the hotel because it was left in their car park behind a barrier. Now, I know I've spoken in the past about this. I've even spoken to solicitors who said, even if you put a sign up in your public car park saying that we won't cover any damage, that it's at your own responsibility to leave your car or vehicle here, that doesn't stand up in a court of law that those signs aren't worth the paper they're printed on or the cardboard or the metal they're printed on. I'm just wondering if maybe, Alistair, if you're listening, Alistair, would you consider maybe taking an action against the hotel, against their insurance They could be indemnified against all of that for the Cosworth, for the van... And for the trailer, um, anyway, quite a lot of text on that. All crimes, whether it be youth crimes or adult crimes, should come with a fine uh, and must be discharged by the individual through their lifetime. So once they get a job, social welfare money from a claim or inheritance, then the fines must always be paid. This is more to do with uh, how do you, um, you know, how do you, how do you go after kids who are engaged in criminality? Uh, Alistair's a lovely man, but he's like an advertisement for promoting crime. People should never say I don't blame criminals he also said it's only metal uh, well he's philosophical about it you know what i mean he's philosophical about it they are scumbags and other scumbags hear this and when they hear people saying that they're not to blame it gives them more reason to justify their criminal behavior but anyway it was an interesting story that he told from start to finish yesterday i think of another one for you this morning with regards to the travels of brendan russell and he's good to go on this friday morning brendan good morning I believe that it involves Ryanair. Does it? It does, unfortunately. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what happened? Look, uh, just basically, it's only just to warn a few people about you know something that I went through in the last uh, in the last couple of days. Um, I went on a holiday. It was uh, an agency booked holiday, not directly with uh, Ryanair. Um, I did that because it was the best uh, flight, uh, basically wanting to leave Cork and arrive into Pula in um, Croatia. So when you say agency, fly,
1: you're talking about maybe an online app that you used, a company, a screen
4: scraper, was it? Yeah, and, and, uh, I don't know. Am I allowed to say the name of the company? Sure, or? of course you can. Yeah, I've used it, them myself. It, uh, uh, these um, were called kiwi.com i've, you know, I've like used them uh, yeah i've used them before kiwi i have found them very good to be honest but I, I, do you know i i do as well I, uh, and it's really not so much kiwi that it was the problem i only used those because they came up with the best uh, option for me to actually get to pula where i was going in uh, croatia but basically it meant that i had five flights to deal with for the return. so that meant that there was two on the way there and three on the way back okay Both why why, why
1: five flights
4: basically it was the best option i could get so i could actually arrive into pula and then arrive back into cork i tried everything else i looked at flying into trieste and getting a train going to zagreb and getting a bus etc but the best way i could actually do it and timing wise was to do two flights there three flights back
1: oh i say though the two legs were five flights okay so the problem was coming back was it
4: Basically coming back and actually going, going there because one of the things that I didn't know about and seemingly so I found out uh, on the way back the other day was that a new system in place with Ryanair and this is what I want to warn people about. If you book your, your travel with an agency, they can't check you in. You have to check yourself in with Ryanair. Now, I've had the Ryanair app for many, many years and literally I've used it plenty of times. I've all my travel documents there, so it saves me when I'm uh, booking travel. Can I just say
1: something here? Because I use Kiwi as well. They send me boarding passes into the app.
4: And that's exactly what they uh, they were doing for me. Like, take, for instance, one of the flights that I had from Pula to Berlin on the way back, they sent me my boarding pass because I was flying with EasyJet. Ah. But because they don't have an association with Ryanair... Ryanair say, you now have to book with us. I remember Michael
1: O'Leary being quoted uh, maybe 12 months ago or maybe two years ago, now the COVID stuff, he says, we do not do business with screen scrapers.
4: Well, they're certainly making it a lot, lot um, harder for people now, but here's the problem that, that I really want to warn people about. Because then you have to get onto your Ryanair app, the agency, in this case kiwi.com, give you an email. You can't use your own email. They give you an email, and then you put in your PRN number, which is the identity code of the plane, into the Ryanair app, and then they say, no, you have to identify yourself, verify who you are, which you have to pay 75 cents by going through an press verification 75 cent Cents, yeah so I did that and then it sends you into um, loads of different buttons and eventually you get to now take a picture of your travel document which I took a picture of approximately 200 times just on the way back because every time you take it and you press okay it sends you right back to the start okay. and then you go back into it but this time it skips the 75 cent one it just brings you straight to the travel document okay so that didn't work It didn't work. And it sends you back into a loop, back into a loop all the way. So does that ultimately
1: mean that you end up at the airport? I'm sure you did. Uh, 100%. What what airport was it?
4: I had to go from, uh, well, Pula to uh, Brandenburg, the new one in Berlin. Um, That was with EasyJet. But when I got to there, I went up to the Ryanair desk and I said, look, this is the problem I'm having. And I showed them on the phone and they said, well, we can't do anything about that. That'll be 55 euros to check you in. And I said, but I'm showing you that it doesn't work. That'll be 55 euros. Sh- and then they said, we can't do anything, you'll have to get on to Ryanair. But I said, you are Ryanair. No, we're not. But you're wearing their uniform. We're only an agency.
1: We wear their uniform, but we don't work for them.
4: Yeah, they're port or something like that. Okay, well,
1: but they should be wearing a Swissport uniform then. Anyway. And, uh, yeah.
4: Okay. So basically, here's an email you can uh, get us those. That'll be 55 euros, please. But here's my next problem. then so did you pay it? What? Well, Oh, I had to. I mean, otherwise I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. So then I had to fly from uh, Berlin to Manchester and then I had to go through the whole thing again because now I'm going on to another flight. I have to check on to that. That'll be 55 euros, please. Oh, so another
1: 55. Wouldn't they check you in directly to Cork? Nope, wouldn't do it. So, €75 in Berlin, you get to Stansted, is it? And they're looking for... Uh,
4: Yeah, I had to go for... Well, here's the anomaly, though, and this is what I don't understand. When I was travelling to there, I had to go from Cork to Stansted and then Stansted to Pula. The night beforehand, Kiwi.com, on both Ryanair flights, they sent me a boarding pass for Ryanair. And then I got a thing saying, uh, we don't have an association, you have to check yourself in with Ryanair, verifying who you are for Stansted to Pula, which I did. And this is where, again, the the problem is with the, the Ryanair system that they have. I went through the loop where I put in my document, I put in my document back to the start, to start, all the way the night before traveling to go to Pula, and eventually I got to the next step. And the next step is, now take a selfie of yourself. Now take a selfie looking to the left, looking to the right, close your eyes, smile. (laughs) And eventually I got it. (laughs) And I was able to check in. But because I was at that stage in a state of panic, and they don't check you, you can't uh, choose your own seat, you know, uh, or let them do it. I said, I'll just buy a seat, just so I know I definitely have one. So I paid nine euros for a seat. Right. Okay. Okay. But then... When it coming back, I just never got out of that loop system. So being never allowed out of that means you go up to there and you have to pay fifty five euros. So and did you did you
1: try and discuss the fifty five euro in Stansted?
4: Oh no! Well, on the way back, um, I was actually in Manchester. Manchester, so, okay. Yeah, so I went from Pula to um, to Berlin. Berlin then, I had to pay the 55 euros. Then I got to Manchester and I went up. And again, I was putting, And sorry, so you have to pay your 55. Have to pay. You. And again, I showed them so many times, but thank God this time, the guy looked at me and he literally was pissy. And he went, okay, I'll let you go, but I'll put it into the computer. And I didn't have to pay that 55. Okay,
1: okay, okay. Uh,
4: And basically, then it's a case of there is no way out of it. But is there a chance of me getting my uh, 55 euros back from Ryanair? I would literally think whistling Dixie. No,
1: you won't, uh, because they're saying you need to use the Ryanair app. But what what was the. I, I thought that you argued the toss and they charged you more at some stage.
4: No, that was the fifty-five. That's the, the. This is what I'm trying to warn people about. It's a case of this is what Ryanair are telling you. If you use an agency and they're not associated with Ryanair, you're just going to go into a loop. So no matter what happens, you're going to have to go up and pay fifty-five euros. Why? So why be,
1: were you called
4: out by? check oh, well, that in was, the was a queue. separate thing. In, in Manchester then after um, you know he let me away with the 55 euros I then went in through the security check which I have to admit was another joke but I won't go into that but then I was why well, was it my a joke play. is it because of priority <laughs> well, and non-priority <laughs> Uh, no, no, this this was a different thing going through the security check. They actually put uh, my bag off to the side to be checked and there was loads of bags to be checked and literally it was a case of um, I had to wait about 25 minutes. They said, is this your bag? Yes. And literally they took one thing out of my plastic bag and put it into the one that you have all your 100 mil stuff in. And that was it.
1: All right, okay, okay.
4: But that was just another... And then I went in, and the the flight was uh, delayed by an hour. I literally was six back from the queue to actually go forward to join the the flight. And I know this might sound exaggerated, but literally like a criminal in front of a full passenger uh, of planes, or a, a plane full of passenger, I literally was pulled off by the guy in the yellow little jacket, and he goes, please accompany me, sir up to the desk in front of everybody literally like something out of the, you know, the, the episodes of smuggling or whatever and he goes um, Midnight, you Midnight have- Express, do you remember that film? Oh I don't I remember it yeah. well and, but it was mortifying because he started, I still had no idea what this was about and he, he started by saying okay we're going to remain calm now and <laughs> we're going to do this and I was what? going what are you talking about? what's happening and this again as I say in front of everybody and then he says you have to check your uh, bag in that'll be 70 euros <laughs> oh god almighty Brendan and I went what and he said you can put it into this whole thing here you know to measure your bag and I put it in and I said it fits yes but you should have checked it in not if it I fits said, yeah but not if it fits and he goes no it has to be uh, and but he said i tell you what I'm going to do but if it goes into that
1: bin thing it's yeah. hand luggage, isn't it?
4: Put but it on your seat. This is what I thought, and of course, when you when you che- or get your ticket, I uh, had the ten kilo you're allowed ten kilo to bring on. Now then, he goes, no, that's only the small one on top. And I said, look, if you're telling me that small little thing on top can hold ten kilos, that isn't a concrete block. I'd love to see what, what goes inside. But there. The bag
1: that you have is one of the ones you throw on your back. Like I call them yeah, tech bag bags. Bag. It doesn't even come yeah. up to your knee.
4: Yeah. All right. Basically. So so did you pay him? I had to. There was nothing I could do. There was literally nothing I could do because in front of the whole um, uh, of the passengers, he says, well, you're not going on unless. Don't you just and, love Ryanair? <laughs> oh, look, I mean, and at one stage, he turned to me and goes, look, between you and me, I tell you what, just for you today, I'll only charge you for the small one, which is 45 euros. And then I still carried on querying, and then he looked to his supervisor and she pointed up and then he goes, okay, that'll be 70. <laughs> So, you so didn't, when you didn't accept the discount, they put it back because, up again. And I said, why, why has that changed uh, with her finger pointing up? And he goes, it'll be 70. And that was oh, it. God. And then on top of that, I left the bag at the side of the desk. And then I carried on to uh, when they said board. And they said, hey, hang on. Here's, don't forget your bag. I said, you told me I can't take it on board. Oh, no, no. You take it down to the the tarmac and hand it over to the guy there. <laughs> So I went, all right. Welcome and home, then I man. went down, Welcome I home. I handed over. Home. He throws it onto the concrete underneath the nose. of the I've sent you a picture of that. Underneath the nose of the uh, the airplane. And I turned around and said, sorry, mate, if you don't mind, I've just paid 70 euros to have that put into your hold. Is there any chance that you can actually take care of my bag instead of chucking it onto the concrete? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will in a minute. I'm I, a walk see away. I see. If the, plane, if the plane had moved, it would have crushed your bag. I mean, literally, it was under the wheel. <laughs> so, Sorry I
1: mean, for laughing at you. I'm, for, I'm sure no, you were up to 90. I'm, so, I'm sure you were. Don't get me wrong.
4: Listen, but, but genuinely, all that is by the boy. I mean, as annoying as all that is, the one all I really wanted to come on to today, just to use yourself to let people know, watch out for the agency thing because they're not allowing you check in if you're going through an agency so
1: I've said it no. before I say it again they don't engage with screen scrapers it could be any one of the apps that you might use they say yeah. the only way is the Ryanair app that's the only
4: way and I know the irony of this is I'm actually promoting Ryanair and booking with them directly which is crazy mm-hmm. but at least it stops them getting the 55 euros because you will be sent into the loop and whistle Dixie if you think you're going to try and uh, get your money back alright man welcome to summer travel thanks for that Brendan keep those
1: stories coming lads if you won one like that or indeed Alice's story yesterday uh, you can text 0868104106 email neil at redfm.ie back after the break text
4: the
5: Neil Prenderville show now
1: Red FM. talking earlier on about the uh, court case at the moment that has uh, just begun in Dublin at the Central Criminal Court uh, it goes way back to 1988 to June of 1981 I was talking on the air about it yesterday morning because I remember uh, the case I remember when um, Nora Sheehan went missing correct me if I'm wrong lads but I think Shippool Woods is somewhere between Belgoolie and Riverstick and I'm open to correction on that but we we passed it every weekend because I used to gig down and Sale in the White Lady and Parable and places like that when she went missing and her body was found it's before the courts in Dublin this morning and I was telling you earlier that uh, evidence will be brought forward against uh, Noel Long he denies uh, the murder of uh, Nora Sheehan. Uh, interestingly, though, it's so long now—forty-two years ago—that some of the witnesses uh, have have passed away. But Frank Graney is the course correspondent with News Talk, and he he joins me uh, from Dublin by phone. Uh, Frank, good morning. Good morning. Ian. Again, we are we are talking about now forty-two years ago. Um, it, it, it's it's interesting that because I was reading your copy on it that her, the last sighting of Nora Sheehan, was actually something like 26 kilometres away from where she was ultimately found in the woods in Shiphall, isn't that right?
6: That's right and,
7: and I suppose what happened yesterday on on what was the opening day of the trial was the prosecuting barrister a man called Brendan Gren outlined his case to the men and women of the jury, it, it wasn't evidence per se, it was just I suppose a roadmap of the case that he intends to present to the jurors over the next four weeks or so and he's spoke about her last known movements. Um, Nora Sheehan was 54 years of age back in June of 1981. She lived in Cork City with her husband and their three sons. Um, We heard that she used to work in a hospital, but she had some sort of a fall that led to her developing health issues. Um, Mr. Grant described her as a vulnerable person. She was described by both him and her son, who gave evidence yesterday, as eccentric. She'd often go out into the middle of the road and she would be seen trying to wave down cars. And on the day that she went missing, and this was the 6th of June in 1981, she actually ended up in hospital herself in the South Infirmary Hospital. That was after she was bitten by a dog. She was trying to separate two dogs who were fighting near where she lived. She was seen by a doctor. She left the hospital at 10 o'clock that night. And after she left, she was seen again behaving oddly again out in the road, waving cars down. And there were a few sightings of her in the early hours of, of the following morning but her visit to the hospital that evening and her departure from it is considered her last definitive sighting. Her husband and her son, James, reported her missing and she remained a missing person until the following weekend when, as you say, she was found in a woodland some 26 kilometres from from
1: that hospital in Port mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. And that was by two forestry workers, and I believe both of them have passed away. So, uh, again, I think that was said in court because of the time, 42 years, not all witnesses would be present because they, they have passed away. But they, they found her in Shippool Woods, um, and that, of course, then started a, a, a very, very serious and very quick guard investigation. And and then it it moves to, I believe the 16th of June, like four days later, um, when a particular car was stopped in corraheen is that right?
7: That's right, an Opel Cadet was, was stopped. Um, I suppose listeners of a certain vintage, myself included, will remember the, the Opel Cadet, a very distinctive car and a very popular car yeah. back in the 1980s in, in Ireland. The driver of that car is the man who has now find himself, found himself in the dock no long. He was 32 years of age and um, over 20 years younger than Nora Sheehan. He's now 74, and at the time he lived in Bishopstown, which wasn't actually far from where Nora Sheehan was living with her family at the time. His car was seized. It was taken away for a examination. We heard that uh, samples were taken from inside the car and from the boot and that those samples were then transported to a forensic lab in Dublin. And forensics, we heard, will play a central role in this case you know technology in relation to forensic analysis has moved on leaps and bounds in the 42 odd years since Nora Sheehan uh, was killed she or her body was taken away for a post-mortem the pathologist took some standard samples from her body we heard that traces of semen and a blood sample uh, were taken uh, preserved sent to the forensics lab in Garda headquarters again This was the summer of 1981, and the tools available to forensic scientists back then were far less sophisticated than than nowadays. Back in the early 80s, we heard the sample needed to be the size of a two-euro coin for it to be accurately analyzed. So it was decided to preserve those samples fast forward
1: then. Could I just ask you guys before we do fast forward um, because I've been reading the court copies on this and I don't know whether you can answer this question and maybe we'll have to wait until evidence is presented but why was the car stopped in Couragene? Can you answer that? If you can't, I'll understand.
7: It It wasn't said yesterday. It may be something that the jury is told about when we come to that particular tranche of evidence. As I said Brendan Graham yesterday the prosecution barrister was simply giving okay. the jurors an overview of the case. So we didn't go into any great detail okay. specifically you. in relation to that. Okay,
1: so you're fast-forwarding then to 2008. Th- that's
7: right. So the the investigation continued for a time, but it wasn't until 2008 when the Garda Serious Crime Review team uh, was set up. Um, it decided to take a fresh look at Nora's case because of the fact that it was an unsolved murder and still to this day obviously is an unsolved murder with no long having pleaded not guilty to that charge. Mm-hmm. A decision was made at that point to send those preserved samples, those samples that were preserved following that post-mortem back in the 1980s. decision was uh, made to send them to a specialist lab in the UK. This lab we heard did have the capabilities to examine and analyse microscopic samples. The, a certain number of DNA profiles were generated from the samples and in late 2021, a sample was taken from No Long that was sent to the same lab in the UK. And it is the prosecution's case we heard yesterday that his DNA sample was a match for a DNA sample taken from Nora's body. Mr. Grehan said the possibility that it originated from someone other than No Long is one in 20,000. And it is the prosecution's case that he had sex with Nora Sheehan and that all the evidence, according to Mr. Grehan, points to No Long. Uh, being the one who killed her shortly afterwards. This is a circumstantial case. Um but Mr Graham claimed again to the jurors in what was simply his opening speech that when all the evidence is laid out over the next four weeks or so, he said the irresistible conclusion will be that no long was responsible for her death.
1: Okay, okay. Um, so we'll we'll watch that case with interest as it moves ahead. No Long is now seventy four. Um, Nora Sheehan's husband clearly would have passed away by now but her son James is 65. Can I finally ask you, with regards to the son, did he give evidence yesterday?
7: He did. Uh, James Sheehan gave evidence yesterday. Um, he was working on the 9th of June 1981. He got word that his father was looking for him again. This was a time before at mobile phones. He raced home to find his father in a distressed state. As, as you correctly say, his father has since passed away. His father passed away in 1985, so just a few uh, years after Nora was killed. Um, He said his father was in a distressed state. At this point, it was clear that his mother was missing. They then went to the local guard station, reported her as a missing person. And James recalled in his evidence yesterday, he recalled his mother having a fall in the psychiatric hospital where she worked. He said that she was a bit eccentric afterwards. He said that she had a chip on her shoulder would freely speak her mind. The evidence didn't take very long to present to the jurors. There were a number of other civilian witnesses called, for example, a retired nurse who treated her on the night that she went into the hospital after being bitten by that dog. But most of yesterday's proceedings were taken up by, firstly, that opening speech. And it took some time for the jurors to be shown various photographs
1: of various crime scenes yeah, are losing it there, um, Frank. I don't know. You're still, yeah, you're back again. So um, that case continues this morning. And how long do you expect it or estimate it might last? It continues this morning and it has been set down for up to four weeks. OK, OK. Perhaps I might have an opportunity to speak to you in the future. But thanks for laying it out for us this morning. Have a good day. That's Frank Graney, the court's correspondent, uh, with News Talk on the uh, unsolved murder, although it is now before the courts. And again, remember... Uh, no long has pleaded not guilty to the killing of Nora Sheehan in June of one thousand nine hundred and eighty one we 're back after ten text 0868 104 106. Thank you everybody again just giving me an exact uh, location of Shippool woods it 's on the road to Kinsale not far from Inishannon. The woods are between Inishannon and Kinsale Neal on the banks of the river Bandon, more specifically between Inishannon House Hotel and Dundero. Uh, thank you for all of those appreciate that we'll uh, we'll come back after ten now
5: Frienderville Show, Red
1: FM. First bunch of free food Friday shout-outs in about 10 minutes' time, quarter of an hour maybe, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'll tell you all about the food soon, but you need to text who you are and where you are to 0868 We're talking about food yesterday, because yesterday was National French Friday. Of course, few enough Irish people... Call them French fries. We like to call them chips, uh, but it was French Friday in America where it would be very hard to get a hand cut chip. And we we're talking with Dino Cregan. Listening to uh, you talking uh, and speaking with Dino put a huge smile on my face. I worked in the Kinsale uh, shop, Kinsale restaurant and takeout, Dino's, for seven years. He is a gent. And everything he said about the shops and how they do things is so true from the fresh fish to how they run the warehouse and prep the chips every morning, even down to eyeballing the customers. He's the big boss, but his daughters and his sons really give 110%. They're a great family cork business and love people to work for, and lovely people to work for. Your conversation with them just brought back all of the best memories from working with them and the great work environment that the family nurtures and that's from Katie who worked in Dino's and Kinsale for seven years just with regards to um, what some would regard as being possible potential fraud within RTE Texter says I was done for fraud over writing a check that couldn't be cashed Uh, no one not one of them involved in the RTE scandal have or will be arrested they will end up just walking away when you were done for fraud incidentally I wonder what done meant I mean were you fined did you get a suspended sentence did you serve time please do share i won't give out your personal information looks like tuberty would be buying his job back should he return the money he obviously received in the wrong but it could never be the same for him on air as mud always sticks also more questions are being asked on noel kelly as to the meetings of d forbes A lot of answers to come yet, says Anthony. Yeah, probably more answers, uh, more questions unanswered than anything else. A lot of texts on weather. One person says, would you please tell the Richard Cowns driving without dipped headlights in this weather to turn the damn things on. That's not the only one. I've got another one here from somebody saying the exact same thing, just like Claire did. Turn your lights on, for God's sake. So keep those texts coming. Uh, many people talking about the treatment of young calves and indeed animals at marts. Uh, you said the treatment of young calves in Kanturk or Bandon Mart did not involve Mart, Mart staff. But how many of the staff there saw this cruelty happening in front of them and said and did nothing? They're as guilty as the people abusing those baby calves. If a member of staff in a pub, shop or place of work sees someone or a defensive animal being abused and does nothing, they are as guilty as the abuser. No excuses, says Desi. Shiona says, this is absolutely vile what you describe. Shameful on the dairy industry. I knew the Cantor one was bad. Um, it makes me so angry a lot of farmers do that you know Only some are very passionate about the animals, others aren't. To see little innocent calves makes my blood boil. I wrote to the Minister for Agriculture about this two years ago. I wrote again asking why he said he was shocked and it's still going on. And a final one. This is nothing new. I remember the outrage at the treatment of cows being transported 30 years ago. As a young teen, I cried at the evil in humanity, and I stopped eating meat that day. For anyone that cares about themselves rather than vulnerable animals, watch um, What the Health on Netflix and there will be no turning back. I wonder if you're referencing, and you are right that it was about 30 years ago. I remember covering it on the air. Are you maybe talking about the transportation of live animals from Cork, from the port of Cork, uh, 30 years ago? Was that the news story that you're referencing, I wonder? Anyway, text 0868104106. And we'll pick up on that. Just one quick shout-out, actually. we got calls after the break, but I want to say a belated happy 80th birthday. I didn't get to do this yesterday. To Pat in Carrigaline Cheese, um, 80th birthday yesterday. And they tell me down there at Carrigaline Cheese that nothing slows the man down. He was in work ahead of all of them again yesterday morning, as usual, preparing for cheesemaking. So fair play to you, Pat boy. you got a great work ethic happy 80th birthday for yesterday sorry i'm late
5: call the neil prenderville show now 0818 104 106
1: red fm an interesting update making the news as i speak and this has just been released you know lisa marie presley who died in january at the age of uh, 54 well by all accounts her post-mortem examinations have just been released now uh, and apparently we know that she died of a cardiac arrest and i know that at the time she was talking not too soon before she died, that she was suffering from very bad stomach pains. They're saying that she died of complications from a weight loss surgery she had several years earlier. Um, Apparently, she um, had bariatric surgery, one of the weight loss procedures, several years ago. And uh, over time then, it led to a small bowel obstruction and they're saying that this was a complication of bariatric surgery and it's a known long-term complication of this type of surgery apparently. And of course there are different forms of that. It could be a gastric band, it could be a gastric bypass or it could be a gastric sleeve. So that's what they're saying that ultimately led to her death was complications from bariatric surgery uh, many years ago uh, for weight loss. Very sad. Text 868 for all other business. Um, i See many tax coming in on dereliction from yesterday's program, which is good. And I will come back to that. A lot of people jumping in on Ryanair or the treatment of Ryanair. Chatting with Brendan Russell earlier on saying, and many people are saying, just book directly with the Ryanair Apple. Well, he couldn't because he had different legs of the flight. Mind you, somebody did say if Brendan wanted to carry the 10 KG on board, he'd have to have priority boarding. So obviously he didn't. Otherwise, you have to check in the 10 KG. And thank you. You know, I was talking about Alistair, who went over with his son to the UK uh, recently to buy a Ford Cosworth that he wanted to bring up, bring back and do up. So he went over and then he bought it. He brought the trailer and everything and he was hitched it to the van. So the van, the trailer and the Cosworth were stolen from the car park of a hotel. right? And I was wondering whether or not he could chase the hotel under their insurance. Uh, a solicitor says, I know Alistair from training and hearing about it as a lawyer, I checked and alas, pursuant to the UK's Hotel Proprietors Act of 1956, there is no liability for theft of a vehicle or indeed a horse, from the car parks of hotels. And he actually attached it to me. It does not cover their hotel policies, do not cover motor cars, other vehicles, or any kind of property left in them, or horses or other live animals. So that's a dead end, so it is. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. One other story, actually, that I want to get to right now, if you don't mind, uh, has to do with the old Cork Prison. Now, we know that the new prison was opened some years back and it's full already, but the old Cork Prison remains there unused for. A number of years. Paul Byrne will tell us more about it in his report from Virgin Media News last night. Um, But um, I think that maybe it could be a good idea to put it to good use. But chatting about it yesterday, somebody said to me um, actually what you really need to do with the old prison is to open it up again as a prison because the new prison is full already. Uh, But more on that in a minute. So this was Paul Byrne's report on what should happen to the old prison from Virgin Media News last evening.
8: The prison closed its gates in 2016 and inmates were transferred to a new facility nearby. Seven years on, the former prison remains idle, its
9: future unknown. There are huge areas up in the prison that could be utilised and knock out the cells completely... And put it all together and you'll have one big building and something like a template to work off and then put little, you know, small dwellings in there like for these families whereby they'll have a living room, they'll have a kitchen, they'll
8: have bedrooms, they'll have their own bathroom and they'll have their own front door inside there. The Lord Mayor of Cork has backed the call. And says the building must be surrendered to the community and beyond.
0: I am of the view that the Department of Justice no need to step up and actually work with Cork City Council to do something with the site. There's been many calls, and as I said, like two weeks ago, there was a major call. And we do have a housing crisis, um, and we need to, we need to sort that out within the city. And that's it is. A, I yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the proposal.
8: There are now calls to examine all proposals. In a statement, a spokesperson for the Irish Prison Service said that options on the future use of the facility are limited due to the age and condition of the building. But many believe the time has come to once and for all make a decision on its future rather than to allow the building continue to fall into further disrepair. Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News Corp.
1: Part of that conversation was with the great Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinner. who joins me by phone. Katrina, good morning. Morning, Neil. Was this your idea, I wonder?
9: Do you know, for years people have been asking me, you know, what could be done with the prison and... You know, I have ideas, but lots of other people have ideas. But because of the housing crisis and because there are lots of other things happening in our city, I just felt that maybe I could come forward and say something No, And I suppose first and foremost, I believe there's a number of things that could happen with the former prison. One is being a total revamp, and emergency housing put in place for our homeless families, for our individuals, our rough sleepers who are sleeping in fields, alleyways on streets, in doorways. We have an increase in, you know, the, the levels of youth homelessness are increasing big time. We have veterans who are homeless. Yeah. And before anyone says it's kind of not right to put anyone in the former prison, remember, it is now just a building with potential for refurbishment. Well, wouldn't you have that to that seriously that
1: got that, though, Katrina, wouldn't you?
9: Seriously, yes. Yeah, do you know, for example, it can be turned into family individual homes, somewhere where people have a kitchen, a bathroom, Bedrooms, you know, and a living room. Remember, a lot of school growing children of all ages have to sleep, dress, eat, do homework in the same room as their mother. Yeah, brothers.
1: I know. Yeah. yeah.
9: You know, one or two nights in an emergency situation that might pass, Neil. But for the length of time that many, you know, are in these situations, it's affecting their mental health, their dignity, their morale, everything. And it has to be uh, affecting the children big time. They're only children. As for a rough sleepers, should they're broken and need to be housed, they need help. They need a chance to rebuild their lives. They need a home. I suppose Martin Lee he says everyone should have a
1: home. But you, he does. Days. But would you, could you could you actually have both? No disrespect to either, but could you have problems going through people going through serious addictions, living in the same proximity with people who are rearing children? Would well, that, would that see, work?
9: No, I don't
1: believe that would work.
9: Yeah. I, I, I like my second. Um,
1: so it would be one or the other there anyway.
9: Yes, yes, you know, and I suppose we, we it would be one or the other. But also, we could put a 30-bed treatment facility there with step-down housing for a year or two hundred people are ready to go into a home of their own. Remember, this should all be emergency and not permanent, yeah. that it's should chance for people to have some dignity while they're waiting and they're home for life.
1: I know what um, you're saying. It's certainly just sitting there for seven years and, and you know more than anybody because you revamp and buy old buildings and do them up and turn them yeah. into apartments. You know exactly what happens to a property when it's unoccupied. Now, seven years, I yeah. don't know what kind of condition it is in.
9: Yeah, and, and do you know what? Like, We know people that have bought schools, they've bought churches, they've renovated them to family homes and they've had to do a lot of work on them, but they turn it around and it can be done. And while this is a former prison, as I said, it is now a building that could be used to help with a homeless crisis. True enough. And Mm. make it, it, you know, make it a nice place. Like, we're not putting people into a prison, we're putting Mm. them into a home. And that can be done. So we, you know, and I'm sure a lot of families that are stuck in these hotel rooms, you know, would give anything to have their own kitchen to do with the cooking, Mm -hmm. to have their own, you know, bedroom for their children, for the kids to be able to do their homework you know and like you know I spoke to somebody yesterday who told me that he was in a hotel recently um, before the summer holidays and that kids were on the corridors doing their homework Oh, for, God God's the sake, for God's yeah. sake you I know, know you
1: I, I, I know you have a very busy agenda every day so just do hold on there because Karen McCarthy the Lord Mayor also has a, a very busy calendar this morning and he joins me by phone Lord Mayor good morning
0: yeah, morning, Neil. How are
1: you? Here, are, here are two examples that I can think of yeah. why this would work. Right, It happened yeah. in the UK. They took Battersea Power Station, a power station in the UK, and turned it into a most fantastic um, apartment block. Now, to give it a, to call it a block is an understatement. This is a huge complex. They're all now apartments with people living in them. They also did it with the old BBC headquarters. This would be an office block with studios and everything. Guttered them, turned all of them into apartments of the public. So, Katrina's right, this could
0: work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, completely. And, and thanks, for Katrina, for bringing it forward. I think it's a great, it's a great concept. And, and I suppose... It would be important, though, to reiterate that we're not proposing like that. We just open the door of the jail and throw people into former prison cells. Like it needs a major retrofit. It needs a major investment. It could mean like putting in modular, social and affordable homes there. Uh, and also, it would be important to, to to chat with the local public reps. And I know the general public in that area have have concerns about the the prison that's in the location at the moment, the modern day prison. Yeah, so, they do. But I think it would be important to bring everyone like to the table. Um, no, I think it's a great concept, and I, I mean, you just gave examples there of where it actually works. Yeah. I mean, we also have the example of the ESP power station down the marina, which is empty, like, and I know I've been vocal um, in terms of what do we do with these old buildings. Well, if they could do, do it at Battersea power, and... power
1: Station, they could do it down there as well, if they had the thought yeah, process yeah. in place. Who yeah, owns, and, and So and who guess, owns the, is the prison under the guidance now of the Department of Justice?
0: Yeah, 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 and I, um, I know a few weeks ago um, I know Councillor John Matter actually in the North brought this brought a similar concept actually up and he had, he actually shared the concerns of local residents with the modern prison. I know we had a a discussion as well at the council meeting on what do we do with the old prison and that we should invite the Depart- we actually should bring the Department of Justice into a meeting and have a proper discussion on the modern-day challenges around the area and also the, kind of the former prison. I think the former prison just being used by film crews to do films, to do short films, which is great for the arts, but like going forward, it's such a valuable piece of land. It's got a massive potential. Um, even some of that land could, I don't know, could be a, a local green park for local residents. Could you but, tell us what I mean, needs to be done to push this on at this point? Department of Justice. I mean, um, I, I was informed a few weeks ago that a letter has been sent to the Department of Justice, but no, I'm in the in the hot seat that I, I'll follow up on it again and see where it's at. But no, like my, my sincere thanks to to Katrina for for coming forward to push this. Uh, I think it's yeah, it's got enormous potential, but again, okay. needs to work with all the stakeholders. Um, I don't want people like in the northeast going, oh my oh my god, this is going to happen tomorrow. No, this is just an idea that's been pitched, and uh, it just needs to work with everybody around. And tell it. me this:
1: if the Department of Justice were on board, to I don't know, would they sell it or gift it, and to whom would it be? City Council.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this moment in time, there's a there's a large tap of money coming from the central government on social housing and affordable housing projects. Um, or it could be maybe there's a private developer in the area that wants to step in and kind of develop affordable homes with Cork City Council. So, no, it can go any which way. Um, but I do agree with Katrina that look, if they are social homes for people who are... Who really need help? I mean, you'd, you'd want support services up in in in, the, in in that sort of a space, but I think you'd, you'd probably have to demolish the whole interior the oh, of the farm. Oh, totally, prison. you'd be
1: ripping it all uh, out. You sure.
0: just, yeah. yeah, yeah, you. But like, it's not beyond the laws. I mean, there's there's so I just, there's so many best practices out there. I mean, and I, I think it just comes down to imagination and drive. But uh, for my part, I'll, I'll 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 try to drive it forward as much as I can. but good stuff. I know there. are there are six public reps that can represent that area and I know they're really close to the issues up there as well, so I'll, I'll try to touch base with them as well. Uh, there was a, a
1: prison, you. somebody's texting me saying that, Katrina, would be interested in this, a former prison in Oxford in England was turned into an hotel, a hotel, so it, it can be done. It costs money, but it can be done, yeah?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think it's a I think it's a great concept, and again, okay. thanks to Katrina. I mean, we're we're very lucky to have people like Katrina who come forward and who are who are being honest as well with public reps like me, going that we need to help people. And I'm I'm very conscious as well that yeah, I'm I'm in the hot seat, and what can I do within my rules, and regulations, and red tape? I mean, I'm not I'm not, I'm not a directly elected mayor, so I mean, I just yeah, so. I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more about tell me well. tell I mean, me this what would you say to the,
1: people that the the new prison in commas, is now all so full that what we need to do
0: is open the old one again no the old i mean the old one has gone past its use i mean like i mean I, I think I was in there once on a, on an old walking tour it's just falling down and falling apart. It's like going down to visit some of the the old prison cells down on Spike Island if there' was actually anyone's ever taken that tour like it's just cold damp i mean it's yeah. I, I, I think it's gone past its use. I, yeah. mean, I, I think it needs a major retrofit. Even if it was returned to a prison, you'd probably still have to retrofit it in some shape or form. Okay. But there's no point to the Department of Justice just sitting on it and let, let's drive forward with something. And, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do on my side and just to say it to even my my uh, director of housing as well to, to put a, more of an eye on it to see what we can do. OK,
1: thanks for taking the call, Lord Mayor. I'll let you get back to your day. Uh, Katrina, of course, all day's... Morph into the next one for you. It's never ending, but possibly no. getting worse. Is it?
8: It
9: is getting much worse. And even though while well, I'm talking to you, there are people arriving at the door bedraggled from the rain. This is Ireland. Look at the day it is today. Yeah. It's like the middle of the winter, except that it's not so cold. Yeah. But this is what we face all the time, and we're going back in to a winter again. And like last week, we had downpours, and people came, you know, for tents that their belongings, the clothes they were in, they were soaked to the skin. Like, it's pitiful. Mm. And it's pitiful for all of us, you know, all us volunteers to be looking at this. We we, we can only help them there and then, you know, we can just give them, you know, change of clothes, baby weight, to clean themselves with, like, you know, socks, you know, their runners are soaking, their shoes are soaking. Uh, It's not very nice for us what we have to see. And when we see numbers growing, We know there's a problem. It's a crisis, you know, it's an emergency. We have to step in straight away. And we wish that there was other stuff we could do, mm. but I'm delighted, you know, with our Lord Mayor Ciaran McCarthy. You know, you wouldn't expect anything less from Ciaran. Mm. He's a good man, mm. and I'm delighted, you know, that kind of people may take this on for whatever will happen with the prison.
1: Absolutely, I mean, anything would be better than the way it's in. So put, give it, exactly. give it, give it the good use that it can be put to to help people have the bed to lie in at night. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Exactly. Okay, um, let's. Yeah.
9: Know, look, well, when. when you, you know, and if people, and you don't want to go with that idea, there's also the 30-bed treatment facility with step-down housing to get people ready for a home for life with yeah, their own. Yeah. Keep them there a year or two, you know, help them, support them, wrap the services right around them and get their lives, you know, built back up again for them. Okay. And then, again, if it's, you know, going to be another prison, you know, again, as as our mayor has said, it has to be refurbished no matter what, for no matter what purpose it's going to be used for. But I do believe because of the housing crisis and that something could be done to alleviate
1: that. Mind yourself good. Katrina as always I'll let you get back to it Thanks good. for taking the call this morning good. Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners Gare McCarthy Cork's Lord Mayor Your thoughts though are paramount to all of this Do you think it's a good idea Text 0868104106 To turn the old prison into Say for instance self-contained apartments As a typical example uh, For people in need of housing Text 0868104106 I certainly have calls after the break
5: Talk to Neil Prenderville now, 0818 104 Red FM.
1: Lots of other examples, actually, of prisons that became different um, when they got refurbed. And uh, see one here, for instance, which would have been Boston's old Charles Street Jail. Looks like a right swanky hotel now. It's got the big open area on the ground floor. And it's got all the different landings then and going all the way up. Uh, fabulous lighting. And each one of the cells is a, a bedroom, and I'm quite sure a very seriously refurbed uh, bedroom that was formerly a cell. It's got the railings around all of the levels of each of the landings and everything, and it's now a hotel. So it wouldn't be far stretch of the imagination to put the old prison to some kind of use. Anyway, to the phone lines we go. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. 104 Finbar, good morning. Morning. Good idea? Bad idea? Uh, what?
10: Good, uh, good idea. You want, she wants to... Irish people, cock people, is that into the jail? Is that?
1: Don't know that anybody mentioned where they'd be from, just that they'd be in homeless. No
10: matter what, no matter what, what, she, what, she, what she's talking, talking about Irish people. Yes, I didn't hear them nothing. i none, none of them. They're all, your man. that was here, just saw here. Why didn't they put them down to the hubs, down the man?
1: The ones that were built the modular homes for yes, Ukrainians. Yes.
10: No I'm, No one going against them. Don't bother. Leave the Irish out in the road.
1: Um, well, these. If want they...
10: to get the right? What what, what? what? What is she? She championing all them, the Ukrainians?
1: No, she's no, not so championing they're all, all they're the Ukrainians. The, the penny dinners doesn't they, operate they, on they, a policy of your nationality.
10: Every nationality, they are the Irish. Oh, nobody. Where are the Irish. Nobody. They said... The whole lot of them.
1: Nobody said yeah, anything don't. about where you'd be from, say, for instance, to but get it's, it's an don't, apartment don't
10: there. Stop now. Take off. Take off. Take off do I was in the blink of nowhere. Stop. Right. Don't be stop. Stop now now. Stop by, will I?
1: All right. Okay.
10: Don't, be, st- don't, don't, don't be crazy. Don't be fooling me around right here. i come on here to tell you and tell people what I think. I this is my opinion. I understand that you're entitled to say what yeah, you think, But, but I'm just, just do- in here this morning, and your man over there, this law me. How, how did he get in?
11: How
1: did he get in where? what did he vote it on? What's that Has guy Yeah, well, no, I mean, if you're asking the question, it, um, it, it comes round to the different parties. It's kind of cyclical. No, it
10: did not. It was a vote. He was nominated by, who, your dear friend? Who was he nominated by? Who? By the board Shan- Shanahan. He nominated him and yeah. he fell in independent second But,
1: day. but that doesn't matter. We, we need to have a Lord Mayor and it goes through all yeah. of the parties and then the independents. That's how it works.
10: no, no. Anyway, can you, I just, when's the can, last Irish champion? When's the last Irish champion? Chef call I'll have to go. I'll have
1: to check the dates on that one. But everybody's yeah, yeah. supposed it to get a shot. There's only four. There's only four parties there, like. Yeah, but Kieran McCarthy's independent. Anyway, that's a different yeah, topic for a different come,
10: come day. Counting four parties.
1: Still. Yeah. Yeah. So your point right. is that Ukrainians get lovely new homes in man, and exactly. Irish people get prison cells. My
10: God, they Great view came on this morning. Like you said yesterday, I'm delighted for a for a for a was a son and mother. Got a plate every opening in the door this morning and they'll have their own, have their own food. Isn't yeah. it great to say that? Yeah. Why can't you say that about an Irish person? Because the mo- morning? I,
1: I have no control over the building of modular houses. Well, can, that came from Central Government. Can you say
10: that this morning about an Irish, Irish couple going into their home like that? But, right, I mean, we, no, we, you we talk, we
1: No, we talk about the plight of Irish people all of the time. All of the time. I was and talking about the cost on, of food sure, this um, morning. Yeah,
10: but they're sitting down there, modules. Done for who? Ukrainians, they never pay a penny
1: to this country. Nothing. But that wasn't anything to do with us making that decision. That's the government that we elect decided to do this. I'd say the
10: same to them, they're traitors. Yeah, well. well, Your man, Martin, he's the biggest traitor going. Why? I know what he's doing. All he wanted was to do to be teaching. and all he is, he's only a half one. A half. I'll tell you what he does, or he don't care. I take that one. That means I go but, home uh, in okay, That's all okay, he was worried okay. about. But, but, but hold on
1: here. If they if they take a prison that's closed seven years and derelict and do it up right and build apartments in there with bathrooms and kitchens and play areas for the children and put families in there, they will be people from all walks of life and all nationalities. It's
10: it's not. You should have covered. You should have yourselves and away. No, but I mean
1: there will be Irish families in there.
10: Yeah, well, they give give me key the key to the, the big gate outside, is it? Well, I mean, it would be a good it's job like done. That Do you why
1: know what I
10: mean? Why, well, why should the Irish people here than that when they are they're, They they built, in our I man.
1: They are built, yeah, yeah. That was right. Yeah. And many I people said, got. Many, put them in there. Many people got angry because they were specifically built for Ukrainian refugees. Yeah, yeah. We're blue in the face, Finbar yeah, saying, yeah, for and months and months
10: and months. It. They're traitors. All right. But I okay. know the whole lot of them are traitors. To the right. Irish people. Right. Traitors. Okay. okay. They've been down to the end of Coveney. They've been out of the commemoration there for Michael Callens. By Christ, he looked up and he'd see what he'd he say in front of him. And not a disgrace.
1: If he were around today, I often wonder what he'd make If he was around
10: all. today, if he looked up and what was, what was up over him, hypocrites up over him standing. When I see him and they go up and they're crazy marching up.
1: OK, OK. My
10: Christ, that all man, he right. had some... He, I, I can't wait for one of their crowd to come to my door. Fair I pay. throw a, a bucket of piss and have them. Oh. Christ I, I, I don't need to know us in the end, Mick Barry's crowd, he was, a lot of, he was doing a lot of things for me. i do this. My Christie there was a normal He came the following year for this and I told my to do it himself. Eleven o'clock at night.
1: They called to the door. Okay. Okay.
10: Let me at night.
1: All right. Okay. Did you get everything yeah, off did you get everything off your chest?
10: No, I tell you there's a no. lot a lot more still on them shoulders. I'm I'm bearing a lot of things on their shoulders.
1: Alright. I'm bye. fairly
10: strong. All right. All right. All right, bye. Enjoy your day.
1: Take care, Finbar. Cheers for now. Take care, take care. Hello. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Um, but, uh, you know, no matter what you look at, we were talking about dereliction yesterday. You can throw the old cork jail into the list of derelict buildings. Um, free Food sh- Friday shout-outs, please, if you don't mind. Uh, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. To Karen and all our colleagues at the Pharmacy Department of the South Infirmary, morning to you all. Irish Express Cargoes in Dublin Hill would love to eat on this dreary day. they listen all of the time. Summerhill Construction are celebrating 55 years in business out in Dunhamore and would love the Free Food Friday. To celebrate, CQ Business Systems would love feeding today. Good morning to Siobhan and all the staff. Tidy Mechanical Repairs in Ballycoreen, BMD Engineering in Glenmire, Union Hall Smoked Fish, Colso Cold Storage in Lehenamore in Toker, Haven Bay Nursing Home are listening at Consale. They looked after my mother, Frances, uh, from Bandon. ATS Carigaline could do with a treat. Dairy Gold Accounts Payable please feed us and brighten up this dreary Friday, says Eilish and all of the girls. Rapid Prostate Cancer Clinic at the Orchid Centre in the CUH. They deserve it for the work they do. MacLock Locksmith's TLC Unlimited Creche and Preschool in Blarney. Morning to Katie. Denise O'Donovan's Sentry Pharmacy. Working hard and would love to be cheered up. Um, the weather isn't helping. Operations and transport staff at National Seaways in the Port of Tivoli and ECI JCB in Carrig wishing everybody a great weekend. We'll do another batch of shout-outs, so text 0868104106, who you are and where you are, and we'll do the shout-outs in
5: about 20 minutes'
1: time. Back after the break.
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818104106, Red FM.
1: Finn was actually talking there about the uh, rotor system we have for Lord Mayor on Leaside and wondered why there weren't more Sinn Féin Lord Mayors. When was the last one? Actually, it was Chris O'Leary was the last Sinn Féin Cork City Lord Mayor and that was in 2015 so that's nigh on 8 years ago and he was the first Lord Mayor from the Sinn Féin party in 90 years. He was the first in 90 years and there hasn't been any since uh, and before you ask we have four Sinn Féin councillors on Cork City Council um, so we would be interested to see when the next Sinn Féin uh, Lord Mayor is inaugurated on Leaside. Uh, meanwhile, uh, yesterday, uh, another packed day, another packed day, if you like, the Public Accounts Committee. is interesting yesterday, I'll play you some of the highlights of the audio, because some of the things that figured here was um, of interest to questions that the public are asking. Uh, the 150 grand, what will happen with it now? Um, Kevin Backhurst has said uh, that he heard that Ryan Toberti said he would give it back the door is open and he's pretty much saying like the son is saying on the front page this morning so show me the money so if Ryan Torberty were to give the 150 grand back who would it go to RTE because Renault had no skin in the game for that two seventy five thousand they did for the first one. So if he gave it back, would he get his job back? Of course they're also looking also at other stories, including um, the golden handshakes that were given to the different chiefs in RTE when they quit their job. Anyway, enough of me. Here's just a few minutes just giving you a highlight of the committee from from yesterday
12: the matters relating to the contractual arrangements for Mr. Rubberdy. The public misstatements of his remuneration and other subsequent discoveries have created one of the most shameful and damaging episodes in the organisation's history. RTE should not be brokering or facilitating commercial arrangements with its contractors. The level of fees and contracts of this nature are too high.
13: Um, As Mr Kelly said, he never met D Forbes alone um, at any point uh, without legal and finance in attendance. There was a meeting on Monday, April the 25th,
14: 2022, at 12.45 A Teams call. Attendees, Noel Kelly and D Forbes. I feel like with these committee members, we're nearly living together. We've been at this for so long. <laughs> and it's actually now more confusing than it ever was. The evidence has been contradictory. I can't see how some of the people involved in who's been in in the two committees can work together again. I just can't see it. In real life. Right. So Mr. Tuberty said there were seven mistruths. Do you accept his evidence that there were seven mistruths? Um, Well, I might turn to. No, uh, I'm asking you. You're asking me? No, I don't. Do you you accept what he said? Do you think it's true that he took a 20% pay cut? I don't want to say he's not telling the truth. All I'm saying is you can use figures the way you want. What do you think? Okay, let's put it this way. Do you think it's accurate that there was a 20% pay cut taken by that presenter?
12: He took a significant pay cut. That's undoubtedly true. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't want to say yes or no 20% because I haven't got my calculator.
6: Are you saying um, that there is no salary being
12: currently paid? Uh, as of this week, no. Um, we just should, as but, as but, no, because we need to agree what that level of that is. But it's as and from this week only? Uh, well, I, as I understand it, the latest invoice came in this week and my advice is we need to... Um, We need to decide exactly what we're paying him because he's not doing his past duties anymore. So, we are, that's currently a process going on. Mr. Tupperty's done nothing wrong in taking that money. So, so you will look to recoup it? Yes. Should Mr. Tupperty and Mr. Kelly um, decide to pay it back because they think it's the right thing to do, we'd welcome that.
14: Our tea presenter last night, who actually is represented by Noel Kelly, uh, once said, you know, to take your minds off uh, us, the public, this nonsensical Arachthus Nuremberg trial. Um, I'm going to play you some Rory Gallagher I love Rory Gallagher, he's one of my favourite artists Absolutely, met him when I was young <laughs> Amazing And that, he, his music would take my mind off a lot of things no. How is that appropriate? That is not appropriate from my point of view
6: That's in, in relation to one other thing That's in relation to uh, Brido O'Keefe In relation to who made the final decision about the package she got Who signed off on it?
12: I mean, the cheque had to be paid out. Someone had to sign the cheque. Someone had to sign off. It and... It was agreed between um, the, the then Director General and the then CFO. The DEN. So it was agreed between D Forbes and Breeder O'Keefe.
0: Just, can, uh, Chair, can
13: I ask to make one clarification? Because I received a text from the former CFO just to say that she would dispute. Uh, the idea that uh, nobody on the exec board
8: knew no no we cannot receive secondhand we we cannot receive secondhand
9: evidence from my god to finish off the point in relation to the redundancy Mr Lynch you were on that you were on that executive board you've told us that and yet you told us that the first time you heard that this exit package was two weeks ago How, how could that be if you were on that board how would you not know I
0: never saw paperwork
9: in relation to Breed O'Keefe.
12: Clearly it would be very useful if the former Director-General, when she's well enough, can come and give evidence to try and shed some light on
1: particularly some of the verbal conversations we have no records of. That's just a selection of some of the very lengthy back and forth at the Public Accounts Committee yesterday. The Irish Mail this morning gives Colin Burke TD uh, the star if you were to, and they rank it on performances yesterday, he gets top performer. He joins me by phone. Call him good morning. Good morning, Neil. Do you accept at this stage of the game now that D Forbes is never, ever going to come before your committee?
6: I don't think so, but then we have to sit down and analyse all of the information we've received. Um, is there is there anything new that you can bring to the committee that we don't have already? Are there may basic issues that she's going to dispute, then if she wants to dispute them, she's going to have to come to the committee. Otherwise, we're going to have to accept the evidence that has been given to us before but, we write our report.
1: But both sides contradict the other. Are you any clearer now following the last few sessions? Well, there's a number
6: of things that have been clarified for us. Uh, number one, we've now established yesterday that, as and from this week, um, Ryan Tuberty is not being paid. Our that it's not going ahead at the present time. Um, number two, we've also established, which is one of the main issues that I have a concern about coming from a legal background, is that the way contracts were done was not the way to do them. In fact, you know, where you have memorandum of agreements um, going back and forth, and then you have side letters as well. And in fairness to the new DG director general, he has said out quite clearly that Every contract now is in one document okay. and so, that's in a whole let me just let me just, ex- let me
1: just explain that. You are the legal man, but I also have contract employment. You're referencing an addendum that needs to be attached to the contract. It must be in the same document.
6: Yes, because, you know, I I fully accept that there was, you know, there were negotiations going back and forth, but there was no final document signed. And for instance, you take the issue of the 75,000, that document wasn't signed until, I think, 2023. Um, Yet the legal department in RTE sent a draft invoice to Noel Kelly for that invoice to be sent on by Noel Kelly to Renault so that the 75000 could be paid yet the legal department were aware at that time that the contract was not signed by RT or indeed by any of the other parties yet we had the legal department advising
1: that an invoice should be exchanged. Did Noel so Kelly it, send the first email to Renault for the 1st seventy-five grand? Yes. That and the second rent and rent the rent third emails he asked RT who do I send it to now?
6: Yes, and uh, Joraleen O'Leary sent back emails um, as regards, she was in RTE, she sent back emails setting out um,
1: who the invoice should be addressed to and what it should Asked be. Asked us, uh, put down consultancy, don't put Ryan yes. Tuberty's name on it. Do you, yeah. do you accept then, uh, speaking on your own behalf, say for instance that Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly knew that RTE were paying the other 275s? I'm not clear about what information
6: they had. But it was quite clear that there were two different sides being given. On the one hand, RT are saying that there was very few people except d Forbes, in fact, and knew about the 75,000 day one. Um, Noel Kelly and Ryan Traberty are saying they understood that this was part of the overall uh, agreement with rt um they set out then as well that they thought because the invoice was sent on to astos and the uk the british company that that was tied into Renault. now you know the the problem about the 75000 being paid out um from astos and remember that's the barter account so there were two lots of 75000 paid to noel kelly um and that's 150000 but on top of that then Astus charged a handling fee yeah. of 40,280 euros for each of those transactions. For so each one? 40 000. grand for each one? For each of the handling, that that's what the barter account... Um, oh, my God. Oh so, my like, God. you know, we're not talking... There was 115,280 euros went through the barter account uh, for each transaction. So 75,000 went to to Ryan Torberti. The other 40,280 was technically the handling fee. And that's the whole issue with the barter account as i gave the definition you know it's like a slush fund it's um a reserve of money held secretly by a company without any um accountability as to its use and that's exactly what's happening didn't you also and i, I raised yeah. other issues yesterday in relation to i understand that there's uh, new issues arising as well in relation to that barter account for instance you take the national lottery. Um, there, there was over 120 million of unclaimed prize money. Most of that money, I think, in fact, 98% of that money went into increasing the level of advertising. RTE got a huge chunk of that advertising money, and I also understand that there are people in the National Lottery who may have benefited under the Barter account.
1: But but people within the National Lottery benefited from the Barter account. Yes. Uh, can you elaborate on that in any way? I, I, all I'm saying is that my understanding is that there is
6: there is a question mark in relation to it and I think it should, needs to be clarified as well.
1: But you're suggesting misappropriation of funds there?
6: No, no, I'm not. I'm saying, on the one hand, you know, there was uh, £120 million went in. You know, we had them into the Public Accounts Committee uh, in December where all of this unclaimed money, instead of going into... Charities. To enough, charities, it all went into... Um, it all went into advertising, which was a huge increase in advertising levels, and I would now raise questions about it.
1: Oh my God, that is an enormous amount of money that could have been put to very good use at the time when it was badly needed.
6: But even if you split it
1: 50 you
6: know, uh, there's always a need for advertising a particular fund, but but it didn't reflect like, the vast majority. Okay. Of well, that was, that that's news to me.
1: That's very disappointing. Yeah. Do, you, do you think yeah. that, and it was said yesterday at the committee, was the fact that um, Mr. Kelly was the one who came looking for the money for Mr. Tuberty and that he was the one chasing down RT for the 275s?
6: I would imagine that there was an exchange. You know, they, they understood they had an agreement, a three-year agreement for the €75,000 um, per annum. Um, I would have no doubt whatsoever that he wasn't going to leave it go. That the seventy-five thousand wasn't paid, so you know there was an exchange of uh, some emails in respect of that, okay. and then as a result, there seems to have been, you know, uh, where are we going to get the seventy-five thousand? Reynolds are not going to pay it, um, and remember, Reynolds didn't pay it in real terms because even though Reynolds paid the money, they got a credit 000, note. Yeah. They got a credit note. In real terms, it didn't cost them the seventy-five thousand. Um, even though it was paid, the credit union made up the balance.
1: Will Kevin Backhurst, who's the chief at Arch, you now, take the hundred and fifty grand back if it's offered?
6: I think he will. I think, um, and I've said last night that I think uh, Ryan property now should uh, pay back that one hundred and fifty thousand. And I think uh, you know, let's start somewhere uh, along this whole process. Remember. We're talking about taxpayers' money. Uh, We're talking about agreements, which were all over the place, between agreements, memorandums, and side letters, and no one knowing exactly okay. who is liable for what. And okay. my view in this thing at this stage, I think he would be better off if um, Ranciabri did pay back the office. And if he gave so,
1: back the 150 grand to RTE, do you have an opinion as to whether or not that would get him his job back? Because these I are the questions that the public are talking yeah, about.
6: Yeah, I think it's too early yet to look at all. We don't have necessarily all of the information in. Um we're we're waiting for further information in where, where um there's a forensic accountant gone in um there, so we we need to have further information to us before I think it's too early to make that decision. Did you get the
1: you impression said. from Mr Backhurst yesterday? I think he said words to the effect of I don't know that he said when we talk to Ryan Tuberty or if we talk to Ryan Tuberty. Um if if he's gonna have a conversation, why would he be having a conversation with him? I, I, the only reason he do that is if they were trying to plan a return yeah?
6: Well I think one of the things that the new DG Director General has to do is that he, remember we have a huge number of staff who are on very average pay inside Norte, who feel very hurt about all of this, he has to bring those people with him as well before he starts coming to any agreement with anyone else and I think that's the
1: You're saying it's the, down to the, the staff DG. really? Yeah.
6: The staff, really. I mean, okay. you know, you know, the, there was a lot. There's a lot of staff in there who run, you know, one tenth of the salary or of the money that that um, Rantapuri was on, and you know, he has to bring people with him. He needs to build up, you know. I, I suppose um, I, that the that the new management team are reliable and trustworthy, and that there's full transparency in relation to everything that's going on in the organisation. Mm-hmm. And there are people in there who are concerned about their jobs, are concerned about their long-term prospects within the organisation. Do you not accept that there's so, too
1: many? Uh, why would RT have 1,800 staff? I mean, do you not think that that's insane, that there well, should be... I don't I don't
6: understand. I, like, I'll, I wouldn't know enough about the structure of RT as regards, you know, what roles people are, uh, are in. Um, obviously, I would imagine that we're now going to go through a major review of RT itself, in the sense that, you know, the whole media... Um, has uh, changed so much, in that you have so much, um, you know, material on uh, a huge choice of channels to people now. And the question is, what is what is RT's role into the future? How do they plan it out? How do they win the confidence of the German public back? And you know, the, there's this other thing then about the licence fee, and there is going to be difficulty in respect of the TB licence. Mm. The question now is. You know, if we are getting a broadcasting license fee from, uh, you know, households, then should there be a better distribution of that money to the smaller operations like the, mm. the community radio stations, like yourselves, Red FM, and all the other radio stations? Okay. Should there be a better distribution of that those okay. funds? Okay. Because we are providing a service to the general public. And, you know, you're providing valuable information.
1: Well, I don't know how much the commercial sector got of the 120 million that was unclaimed from the National Lottery that went to RTE and advertising. That will annoy an awful lot of people involved in commercial radio who are trying to hunt down advertising. Yeah, I mean, I don't have time now, but something else that came up yesterday was things called golden handshakes for executives leaving the job. Are you going to list of, get a list of the golden handshakes and how much was paid?
6: yeah i think we're enti- i think the president the new director general is going to there's going to be full transparency i think the issue arises here about the amount of money number one number two it was alleged yesterday I remember we that, that that seemed to have been disputed but it was alleged yesterday that this um package was signed off directly by the former d g d forbes and the um outgoing c f o the point i have in that is that someone still had to put the transaction through the accounts someone had to send a memo to someone in the finance department to put that transaction through so it's not just one person knew about the transaction a number of people would have had to know about it they should have raised concerns um in the finance department
1: that's my view Uh, are you referencing the very large exit pack package for the former chief financial officer Yes. Okay, okay. You see how this is? see how this develops? Like, he says, she says, he says, she says. What happens next?
6: Well, I think the, the issue is, is, you know, the forensic accountant is going in there. One of the things the forensic accountant will look at is, like, who sent the email for that payment out? Who signed off? Was there an agreement signed as regards the exit package? Was no, but I, mean, I that, but I mean, I understand
1: that. But I'm just saying, in general, where will this all go? The whole issue regarding Ryan Tuberty, Noel Kelly, RTE, exit passes, extravagant I think, spending. I think once
6: we see the um, once we see uh, the information, uh, we've we've re- received a lot of information already that wasn't in the public domain previously. I think we've we've got some further um, examination to be completed before we're able to write up our report from the Public Accounts Committee. And I think then the whole reorganisation structure that the G, uh, DG's, uh, the Director General is going to do, I think has to take into account... I mean, he gave a commitment yesterday, as I said already, where, you know, contracts are clear, it's one document, it's not all over the place... That's the first start. And then in relation to, you know, how do we now provide a service to the uh, public out there and at the same time be cost-effective? Yeah, and
1: be trustful as well. And be Colin, trustful. thanks for that. Have a good weekend. We'll, we'll stay in touch with uh, the coming days and weeks. If something develops, we'll be back on to it. Cullen Fine Gael, TD, Cork North, Central, Pack uh, PAC committee member. Text 0868 104 lads. And we're back after 11 this morning.
5: Now. Neil Prenderville Show, Red
1: FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and roosters, Piri Piri, Blackpool and Douglas, uh, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So, more shout-outs in about 15 minutes' time. Text who you are and where you are to 86 This will feed at least 15 of you, probably upwards to... 20 of your work colleagues, you will get a selection of starters consisting of chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers. The main events then include chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers all basted in the famous uh, Piri sauce. For sides, Piri salted fries, rice and waffle fries and all sorts of mayos, the Piri mayo and the garlic mayo and all of the condiments that comes with it. Then you build your own cheesecake, enough cheesecake to feed the lot of you with your own toppings, kinder bueno, kinder pieces, Nutella all sorts of lovely uh, toppings for your own individual cheesecake. So that's all available. And if you're buying some takeout or sit down over the weekend, check out roosterspiripiri.com. So more shout outs uh, in about 20 minutes time. A shout out for listening to Neil Prendival. Currently, I'm on a ship off the Greek coast listening to you online, going back to Ireland for the first time in four years in a few weeks. And it's good to hear the news from home, says Tim originally from Cantorque. It's stinking hot here. On the Greek coast, the seawater temperature alone is 28 degrees. Well, you've had an amazing few days actually with people, Corkonians, texting me from all over where it's ridiculously hot. On the Cork murder trial um, from Shipall Woods back in 1981, everyone was talking about it back in the day. I remember it so well. I remember visiting Shipall Woods back in the day. If you're going into Shannon from the city side, there's a sharp left turn towards the hotel. Before the village, go up there a small bit in the entrances to the woods by the river. I never went back after that. Quite a number of texts, people are really annoyed about the issues that developed down in Kerry with drag queens. In a library, as a parent, I was absolutely disgusted when I saw there was drag queens for children in a library in Kerry yesterday. Drag queens are entertainers for adults, not young innocent kids. Why is the LGBTQ plus community targeting young innocent children? This is seriously wrong. What is their problem with pushing their agenda on innocent kids? I'm boiling. After seeing drag for kids, it needs to stop. It's wrong on all levels. Another one calls it a form of child abuse. And a third says, The story of the poor abused, harassed, terrified library staff in Tralee yesterday um, as um, protesters tried to stop the drag story to the young, innocent children. It's filth that's going on behind closed door, and they have lots of security. Why? Shame on anyone that's covering this up. You should be talking about it. Well, I'm talking about it when you text me about it. Uh, And on other topics then involving issues um, that could be deemed as cruelty. Um, I was talking about animal cruelty. Cruelty surrounds all areas and levels in the animal industry, Neil. RTE just highlighted one avenue of cruelty that exists in our marts, probably only highlighted by RTE in order to change the public's perception enough and try and reduce the national herd. People do not want to know or think ever of the cruelty behind their dinner. The cruelty in the pig and chicken industry, for example, is simply disgusting. The information is out there if anyone wants to know, but generally they don't. Then lots of people with regards to what should be done with the old Cork prison. Uh, Regarding the Cork prison, Arsenal's former stadium, Highbury, is now a stunning apartment block. Thank you, Ro. That's another example of what can be done with buildings like that. I think the prison is in a much better state than many other buildings around the city. I was there about 10 years ago and it was a fine building, one of the best in Cork. It's very, it's in a very well established area and the Department of Justice should just hand it over. Uh, yes, I mentioned the text about a former prison in Oxford turned into a hotel. There's actually an article online where you can see seven different prisons who've all been turned into Hotels. They've just built H Block in Blackpool. What an eyesore. And soon it will be a slum. The prison would be ideal for refurbishment, though. Catherine is right, Katrina Toomey. There are a lot of very young people on our streets and also a growing number of elderly. Shame on our government for the neglect. Neil, take a look at the prices at the Battersea Apartments. This is the old power station. I'll build apartments in Cork if people will pay me millions for a four bed like the Battersea Apartments. Also, it's London, a city. Not a big town like Cork. I actually don't regard Cork as a town. I think we have the right to call ourselves the city. You don't think, seem to think so. We have plenty of money to renovate old buildings for refugees. Why can't we do it for the Irish? Uh, and then there are other people picking up on that regarding finbar Fimbar. There's a plight for young families who are still waiting. There's a plight of young families waiting for council to give them the keys to affordable housing in tower. In which they'll now have higher mortgages because of the increased interest rates. A year on. And these families are still waiting. Cork City and Council are a disgrace. Listening to you most mornings, I felt you cut Finbar short. He obviously had loads to say. Yes, he was against the government and their carry on and he has a right to be angry. I felt he deserved more airtime, and you could have tried to balance his argument and let him come back at you. A lot of he said made sense. Why not let him on longer? Um I don't know. I mean there's a start and a middle and a finish to all of our conversations. Finbar's a regular contributor. Uh, He always gets an opportunity. It wasn't the first time. Katrina Toomey, although she does a lot of great work for some that have genuine need of her services, she is blind to the trouble her place draws to our neighbourhood. I live in the middle parish and she has lads rocking up in the best of gear on their electric scooters. They fire their rubbish and free lunches all over our porches and are oblivious to the fact that they're in the middle of a neighbourhood where kids are living. There's never a bin outside the door. The local community guard does not patrol our area at mealtimes. It's now where groups of undesirables are freely dealing in broad daylight in drugs while having their free lunch. I see it with my own eyes. Um, Actually, I'm not naming the businesses that you're suggesting are also availing of free meals rather than buying them from the local cafes on Washington Street. But the texter also says that businesses, some of them on Washington Street, also go to penny dinners for free lunches rather than buying their own. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106.
5: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868104106. Gorg's Red FM.
1: And indeed, you can always email if you have a story to share, Neil, at redfm.ie. Just one final text. The beautiful homes, the, Maj- the Mah- Mahan modular homes are fully fitted out, including linen, built for refugees, located in a beautiful woodland setting in Mahan, and they are now fully occupied. It's inspirational to see that all the occupants will not have to use public transport as they all seem to have their own cars. Is there any possibility we could duplicate and build similar homes for our own homeless with the same financial arrangement, i.e. rent, energy and Wi-Fi, Um, costing 16% of everybody else's income. Saying this in public would be regarded as racist by some when, in fact, it's only asking for the same housing and services to apply for everybody. Thank you for that, Liam, by text to 0868 104 106. More shout-outs for Free Food Friday to come. And then another thing or two that we need to do this side of midday is we go out again this week with more live music. And it's dark and lively, lads, who will be playing us out today. Mike Carey on guitar, Gerald Leary on on Cajon, Cajon, I think is the proper pronunciation, and Brian Tamling on bass. Three childhood friends who grew up together and still live within a stone's throw of each other in Ladiesbridge. And I've been looking at some of their video and listening to some of their music online, and they are a lively bunch. So Dr- Dark and Lively will play us out this morning. We will also have family passes to give away to more tourist attractions across our beautiful city and county between now and midday. I might even organize a family pass or two for Katrina and Alistair because they have a lovely story to share although they're a long way uh, from Cork right now I believe in Finland. Katrina good morning. Well good
15: morning good morning
1: and I know know there might be a slight delay and your your better half as they say Alistair how are you boy? Hello I'm all right I'm all right. I hear you're having lunch right now is it a good old-fashioned Cork lunch Alistair?
13: Well, it's jacket potatoes and cheese and
1: chicken, and a bit of goat's so, cheese. Is it? Yeah. There's a bit of there's a bit of
13: goat's cheese in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: okay. Okay.
13: Okay. Com- my, my children are across the way looking at me.
1: Thank you yeah. so course, much, Katrina, so- for getting in touch because I know you guys listen all of the time in Finland. Alistair's originally from Cork, um, and you're coming. Are you coming to home for a visit or something?
15: We are. Yeah,
1: it's I mean, a very special trip. I, yeah. Um, go on, Katrina.
15: Sorry, really, Um, Very special trip. I'm, I'm going to turn 40 um, when, we, when we come over, and that was actually the reason why we decided that now it's time to Happy
11: 40th. But also,
15: thank you, thank you. Um, but now it's also the first time our children will, will get a chance to visit their dad's hometown, yeah. and, uh, and we're super looking forward to that.
1: Okay. Tell me about the kids, then. How many? Two.
15: A boy and a girl, Natalia, she's 11, and Daniel, he's 10. And And they're originally from...
1: Yeah, there's a lovely backstory. I won't interrupt you because it's a shock and time delay. Go ahead.
15: There is a bit, yeah. Um, So they're originally from Colombia, and uh, they've joined our family through international adoption uh, about five and a half years ago. And um, they were four and five years old at the time. And, of course, now we're trying to kind of uh, keep going, the, the Colombian culture and maintain that. And, of course, they know everything about Finnish culture growing up here. But I feel terrible that they don't know the, the dad's side of the, the culture, really, uh, like the Irish, yes. Irish culture. So this is very very special trip for us all.
1: It's important that they see where dad's from and dad's people. So, Alistair, exactly. when you're home, what are you going to show them?
13: I don't even know where to start. Do you know, I mean, I spent my late teens, 20s, and a bit of my 30s in Cork as a wild young lad and now I'm going back with the kids and I'm thinking, what do I do with children in Cork? I have no idea. It's, um,
1: <laughs> How long have you got, pal?
13: I've got, we've got 10 days. So, I mean, I think I might get a higher car. I will definitely going out to West Cork. We're definitely going to... We're definitely going to, fo- uh, definitely going to go to photo. We're going to be... Uh, Kinsale for sure. I mean, we definitely have to see my family. Frieda, Margaret, and Myra. They need to be uh, meet up with my family, all my old friends. I used to play in a lot of bands in Cork, so I'm going to be pl- meeting up with all my old band members and uh, catching up on old times.
1: Okay, let um, me just talk I'm to you a really little bit about that, because really where, where, where did you and Katrina meet?
13: Ah, we met in Fred Zeppelin's, at <laughs> yeah, a, 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 a bar on Parliament Street. <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm on it's, it. it's, it's a very... It's a very romantic place. It's a heavy metal New Year's Eve party. <laughs> yeah, that
1: sounds very romantic to me, heavy metal. <laughs>
13: uh, I mean, it was great because the first two hours we couldn't even hear each other. So it was almost like Miami.
1: So you'll be yeah. going back to yeah. Fred's for a pint or two, I suppose, will you?
13: Absolutely. That was my home bar when
1: I was over there. Absolutely. What brought you to Cork and into Fred Zeppelin's, Katrina?
15: Um, I, was, I was taking a year off my studies, and uh, I was actually going to go to the Netherlands um, with my friend. But then someone just said, "Hey, look, I'm going to Ireland. This place called Cork, and I had never heard of it. And I thought, well, why not? I'll join you. And um, I had a ticket, a return ticket, after six months. But then I met Alistair and ended up staying for three years. You stayed.
1: End. You you guys got yeah. yourself a flat over the Gate Cinema. Was that it? Yeah.
15: Yeah, that
13: would be great. Smell of popcorn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pop downstairs for a bucket of popcorn. To get to. It,
13: a constant popcorn smell. Yeah, always hungry. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. So, did you then decide, or did Katarina decide for you that no more Cork off to Finland, Alistair?
13: Um, uh, do you know what? That might be quite accurate. <laughs> there was, there was. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that I was in this decision-making process, but you know. She needed to go back, and I wasn't going to let her go. So, yeah, I love Colorado. that story. Yeah. And so,
1: what's life like I where you live, for instance? I hear that you got 25 degrees today. I never thought that Finland got that kind yeah. of heat, but obviously it does. It is.
13: It's, it's, yeah, it's extreme. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the whole area is filled with lakes, and all these lakes have beaches, so it, it feels like being at the seaside. So you have this kind of like, um, unlike, unlike Cork, there's not much wind. So when it's hot, it's hot. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm,
1: I, yeah. And I also so it's hear it's, cold, I hear cold. it's ridiculously expensive, <laughs> though. Yeah.
13: I, I someone asked me how how expensive is Cork, and I said I don't know. I haven't been there for nine years. <laughs> so I I'm I until I get back home I don't know. It's quite expensive here. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And can I mean, you tell
13: pint, me? Go ahead. A pint is going to cost you. A pint is going to cost you eight euros. Eight. Let's go this one.
1: Don't yep. worry about that, pal. We're climbing closer and closer to that eight euro <laughs> pint every single day. Can you tell me a little about the, the, your children from Colombia? How did how did you come? Up, how did that work out, Katrina?
15: I mean, adoption process is, is quite long, lengthy, quite heavy process, and uh, and we we went through it. A couple of years it took us, um, and then when we got the approval, then we had to decide which country we want to adopt from. And uh, Columbia Contact had just reopened and uh, we went for that immediately. And six months later, um, we were we were introduced with this child proposal. It's called Child Proposal and told that there is this, this a gorgeous pair of siblings looking for a forever home. And, um, and we went for it uh, completely unprepared what it's like to, to get siblings at the same time that age with no shared language. Um, so, to say it's been a mad ride for the past five years, that would be underestimation. So, do you you but, flew
1: to Colombia and met them, obviously. Um, were they old enough yeah. to work out that they were going to a very far distant land?
15: Yes, we were sending photographs beforehand and uh, had some video calls. Um, but, in all fairness, four and five-year-olds, they're, they're kind of understanding of, of that kind of distance and the scope of what's going to happen, how life is going to change. It's probably very, very different from how we as adults perceive it. But Finland is the land of Santa mm. Claus, so that was <laughs> definitely one selling
1: point. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if, if you know, you didn't speak the same language. How did you originally communicate with each other, you and the children?
15: Uh, we, we had a language of our own. I had a few words of Spanish, and uh, and then we had this mix of Finnish, English and Spanish I mean, an outsider would not understand what we were talking, but we somehow managed to communicate with each other. I think it's a it fabulous like story. It was quite funny episodes. Yeah,
1: I think it's a fabulous yeah. story. Have they settled in now and everything? Yeah, loving life, speaking Finnish?
15: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to school, going to hobbies, going out with friends, like, just like any other child, really. I mean, fantastic.
1: So when are the dates home? When are you back, Alistair? We're back next Monday. Oh. Uh, no, sorry, today...
13: So next Monday week. All
1: right.
13: 24th. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, my work has been piled up, and I've, I've, you know, it's very difficult to see past that, but now we're getting close, and I'm getting really excited. No, now, you just need you know? to do it, because and, I know you kept yeah. on saying,
1: next year, next year, next yeah. year. You need to bite the bullet, and you've yeah. done that now, you know? You've done that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes.
13: Yeah. And I've been pre- preparing the kids now. I'm trying to find, um, like, Tommy and Tommy Tiernan gigs with Not So Much Swearing, I'm trying to get them so the uh, Red FM is always on, so they're on. At least they may understand he, my friends. I mean, I have some friends from Nottingham and Gron, and are they going to understand them? I have no idea. You have totally <laughs> lost I, your
1: Cork accent, though, if you ever had one.
13: I, do you know what? It, 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 it never. I was in this very strange place where when I. I, I haven't lived in England for like 30 odd years. And when I go to England, they say, oh my God, you sound so Irish. And then I go to Ireland and they just say, oh my God, you sound English. And it's it's this weird. But now I live in Finland,
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know we'll, call I it a, we'll call it a hybrid or whatever you can call it. two or three different accents all rolled into one. Do you know what I'd love to do? I would love to put together a little package of summer family passes, some for the city, you know, maybe for Shandon or some for West Cork. There's some beautiful places in West Cork, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, uh, maybe some for East Cork, like the Titanic Centre, maybe something for North Cork, maybe Mitchellstown Caves or... I don't know, but let's just work something out for you Guys, and you can plan a bit that of an would- itinerary. Oh, fantastic.
13: that sounds fantastic! Kids, perfect for the
1: kids. <laughs> it will be. So we'll take that. We'll take that headache out. Have you know we have the Cork City bus tour? Some little birdie told me yeah. that somebody's keen to get on that bus. Is that you, Katrina?
15: That would be me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, consider it done. We'll sort that anyway for you.
15: Oh, fantastic! That's super. Thank that would you be so wonderful.
1: much. Wonderful. The only thing I can't oh, guarantee you, as you well know, Alistair, is the weather. Unfortunately.
13: <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. I know. And I'm, I'm going to have to buy myself a jacket. I think. So <laughs> yes. I, I either have a summer jacket or I have a winter jacket. No, you don't, No.
1: Listen. You don't need the winter jacket. We're very hopeful that by Monday week, the weather will have taken a turn for the good. <laughs>
13: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, winter in Finland is like minus 30. So a winter jacket here is like a huge, huge padded duffel coat thing. So well, listen, I
1: I, I, I can I get I get, I get the sense of inci- excitement from you both and anticipation. Oh, I know. So I know. on Monday week, you'll be boarding the flight, and we'll see you on Cork time.
13: Okay, cool. and any of my friends listening in, I'm going to see you in one and a half weeks' time.
1: In Fred Zeppelin's for a Fred. pint.
13: In Fred Zeppelin's.
1: <laughs> All
13: right,
1: and okay. many other places. And many other places. Uh, yeah, Finnish many, people like many, Finnish many. people like a little drink, Katarina. Do they? Yeah,
15: yeah, but like uh, it's a bit more oh, yeah. antisocial in Finland than in Ireland. Like, like uh, drinking is a <laughs> social gathering in Ireland, whereas Finnish people do like do like to drink it by themselves. Um,
13: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of, We that's drink the we drink
1: socially, <laughs> and the Finnish drink antisocially. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
13: All yeah. right. You know, let's, everyone, get every. Everyone crosses the finish line in the same
1: way, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. <So. laughs> all right, well, listen, have a great trip, right? And uh, you never know, I hope to chat with you while you're here at home and enjoying all of the different tourist attractions. You can report back to me on those, all right? Oh, I will.
15: We'll definitely we do will.
1: Stuff. What a lovely family. Look after yourselves, Alistair and Katrina. What are the kids' names, Katrina.
15: Natalia and Danielle.
1: And Natalia and Danielle as well, coming to see where their dad is from. Nice one. We'll chat again. Look after yourselves. Have a great weekend.
13: Thank you. You too. Thank you very much.
5: Bye. The Neil Brendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106.
1: Pick up the phone on O eight one eight one oh four one oh six. Some more Free Food Friday shout outs for the day that's in at courtesy of ourselves and roosters, Piri Piri at Blackpool uh, retail park and also in the back village in Douglas. Karen and all the colleagues of the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary are listening and would love some chicken to share. Irish Express cargoes in Dublin Hill on a dreary old day. Yeah, it was a dreary morning, but it's picking up now slowly but surely. Summerhill Construction are in Dunham uh, CQ Business Systems are in Wilton. Tidy Mechanical Repairs are in Ballycareen. Uh, Union Hall Smix, uh, Fish are also listening. Plumbing Brothers are listening. This is Killian Power and his brothers Mario and Luigi. They're a new business. Everybody at the Lighthouse Centre in Colleg Early Intervention Center for Children with Autism, to Eleanor Kavanaugh and all of the girls at Thalgo Beauty Center Torrey Top Road, who are listening this morning. Ross Oils and Fernandes. The Waterstone Clinic, for the work that they do, they'd appreciate feeding on a Friday. Irish Express, uh, Air, Irish Air Compressors in Little Island. Power Aggregates in Carrick Tool. Bark Park in Ballinahina, looking after our lovely doggies. Um, the Pharmacy Department at the Mercy Hospital, we're really busy today with the medicine dispensary and the chemotherapy unit, and we could do with a treat. There's ten of us, but they will share, says Holly. RPC Haulage in Granada. Morning to Ross and the lads driving the ready mix trucks now i will get another bunch of shout outs this side of midday and then pick a winner it should f- 15 to 20 of it should be fed and the red patrollers will deliver the food this lunchtime so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. now before i run out of time i just want to plow through another few bits and pieces yesterday we were talking about chippers on lee side and you were telling me where the best chips were I also had a chat with Dino and he told us everything we ever needed to know about what makes the best chip. I read out all of the texts and there were dozens and dozens of them recommending chippers across the city, suburbs, and county in general. But Catherine wants to hone in on one in particular. Good morning. And we were. Hang on a second. I think I just lost that line, lads. Yeah, I don't have four, so I'll have to go uh, to WhatsApp instead and come back to Catherine in
11: a moment. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Where is
1: Frank's takeaway?
11: Frank's takeaways in Caricool, and you tell me
1: you're on holidays in Lanzarote. You're not living there. Are you? Are you living there and uh, yearning? I, I'm for
11: not, it? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming I, back Sunday. <laughs>
1: I thought you were an expat <laughs> living in Lanzarote and pining for no. Frank's chips.
11: No, 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 no. I am pining for Frank's chips, but no, we're not living here. We're only down here for a week's break. And tell all.
1: me, can I just ask you about these heat waves that are going on? Are you seeing any of that?
11: Yeah, yesterday it was. I think it touched forty-two degrees yesterday.
1: Good God, that's a, that's unnatural. Yeah,
11: what was it? Yeah, like? it was crazy. It was. Um, it was. It was bad. It was. And uh, yesterday was the day we decided to go uh, shopping myself and my wife. Not the best day to pick to go shopping. We did over twenty thousand steps. Oh my God! So, uh, you got one we of the were fairly burnt out measuring your that. steps. Yeah. Yeah, just my watch. Yeah, my watch. Well, yeah, but we were able to stop and uh, get refreshments every now and then, you know, down just the strip, so we weren't too fast. 42
1: degrees is just not any kind of temperature to be out
11: in at all. No, it's crazy, crazy. And it's probably 28, 29 now. And it's what, not even midday yet, so it's going to write mid 30s today again, apparently.
1: Right. And are they saying that those kind of temperatures are going to continue for a while or what?
11: Well, yeah, that's apparently, that's that's what it is down here all the time. It's my first time ever coming down to Lanzarote. We normally do go up Portugal or Spain, so we said we we'll would try somewhere different. But um, it's nighttime is probably the hardest time here, because it's still mid-20s and it's just really clammy. But it's nice, you can go for a walk, but trying to sleep, it's impossible.
1: Oh, my God. But are you enjoying it nonetheless? Yes.
11: Oh, fabulous, fabulous! I'm just looking at my wife there. She's sunbathing for a week. She's by the pool and she's loving life. <laughs> Get the
1: sunscreen on, yeah. boy, and stay hydrated. Um, so, Franks in good. Carrick Tool, did you say?
11: Definitely best around, and I've I've eaten in a lot of chippers in Cork, and I think they're they're by miles the best. All right, miles. Okay, some might say a chipper's Should a chipper. San a vinegar. chipper. What's so great about it? Uh, it's just I, 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 I like the small crispy ones so, you know the small like some people like the big chunky chips I like the small crispy ones and Frank's have them in, in abundance so I love them lace and salt and vinegar are
1: they generous with them. the portion though
11: do you get the extra yeah, scoop and yeah. all that but yeah I mean you can, there's I think, kind of three measurements you can get a scoop you can get a small bag you get a large bag so obviously you, you get a large bag they're, they are fairly generous like. are
2: you
1: the large bag man you are Every time, uh, and have you the large waist <laughs> to match the
11: large bag you have? No, I, I wouldn't say that. No, 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 no. I'm I'm not too fat, <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> I,
1: hear, I hear you're a rugby player. You need a bit of bulk for that, do you?
11: <laughs> no, I'm not. That's my son. Ah. I'm not a rugby player. At all. I'm I'm six foot four, and I'm uh, I'm only about what fourteen stones. So I'm not too bad. Alright, One thing you notice not about bad.
1: Lanzarote is the food is dirt cheap, isn't it? You get a three Every course day meal for nine I, euro. I, I,
11: I I don't smoke, I I don't smoke, but I can, I've noticed the prices of the cigarettes are phenomenal for, I think, it's a 200-pack, so to say 10 boxes, is only like 25 euros. Are
1: you inclined to take them off? Are you inclined to start
11: smoking? I said, I said, that, to, I said that to my wife. <laughs> I nearly would start smoking so cheap. But what I did do, I bought, um, I bought a 10-pack of cigars. <laughs> in um, in September with the lads, so we have cigars smoking in, in, um, in Villamora. So I will have a cigar I, mean, oh, yeah. I don't know which one
1: of the I don't know which one of the Canaries was it Lanzarote or Tenerife for Grand Canaria. I got a full Irish fry up in a Chinese restaurant outdoors with tea, toast, orange juice, and everything on the full Irish for one ninety nine, and it was delicious. That's brilliant. Isn't it?
11: That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, when we were walking yesterday, I right? noticed the pints, the price of the pints as well, and a pint bottle. Of uh, Bulmers back home, er, it's anywhere between five fifty and six fifty, even seven euros in some places. We're getting it for three euros forty down here. So you're not it's going made home in at Tipperary, all. for God's sake! That's
1: insane, isn't it? Half <laughs> the price to go out to the Canary Islands and ship it and they sell and it. And
11: a euro, a euro for a large beer. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe no, you might. Bananas. I think maybe you might retire there. What do you think?
11: too hot it's too hot I, I couldn't retire here but I enjoy, I'll enjoy a week or two so alright
1: well I'll let you get back to it it's been a real fun chat with you mind yourself Mark take love care Cheers, man.
11: Thanks, he's, sound. He's, Bye, sound. he's sound
1: he's sound I'd love if he lived in Lanzarote all the time we got great stories out of him. don't come home Mark you're my new Lanzarote <laughs> correspondent from there down to I think maybe in and around Ballon Lock Catherine
16: Good morning. How I, have are you? To, I have to
1: hold my hands up here and say, uh, this is full disclosure, um, I would call myself an infrequent visitor to the Golden Fry and Lock. I love it, uh, and so do you.
16: Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? It Absolutely. really, really is. Yeah. And what I love about it is everything, and I mean everything, is just so fresh and so nice. You get on the queue, you give your order, your fish and chips, whatever you want, and you see it being cooked in front of you. Your chips are taken out of the fryer, sorted whatever you want on them, wrapped up, and they are so hot and so nice, and they're a decent
8: chunky chip.
1: What do you have with them though? Are you a fish person or you a burger? I I, I hear they do oh, a, I hear they do a fantastic. What's the one with you? You get the chicken and you get the pineapple and the banana and all that. A chicken Maryland.
16: Oh, that's amazing, but I can't have it now anymore. But anyway, it is amazing. But uh, are you, are you are you're
1: watching? Are you watching what you're eating? Is it? Gluten-intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> do chippers do gluten-intolerant chips?
16: Not at all. No, the chips you'll be okay with because they're fried in a separate basket. <laughs> so the expert telling me, you'll be okay with chips. But anything with batter no. anything with sauces on them is uh, a no-no. And when did
1: that if happen, do- that damn gluten-intolerance business?
16: Uh, November last year. October, oh, damn
1: November. it. So yeah. that's, that's kind yeah. of depressing, is it?
16: At sixty-four years of age, definitely you have to change your whole lifestyle. Oh. But it has. I'm <laughs> around looking at packets. But the Glute go Golden Fry is unreal. It certainly and is. And what love up there was their pork supper. You get your roast stuffed pork, your chips, uh, mushy peas, curry sauce if you want it, uh, and potato croquette.
1: There'll, there'll be a run on chippers again today. You know what I love there? Did you ever have the seafood platter? It's like small portions of about five it. different fish
16: love it it's the job yeah. highly recommended yeah. and their fish of the day used to be unreal no matter what it was and it still the is the batter was so fresh and crispy oh i get getting hungry now Take okay away. well
1: I, I'm telling them now because I know some of them listen that the next time Catherine O'Neill is in the food is on the house alright Catherine
16: <laughs> oh absolutely thanks so when, a million when they, when, a they sh-
1: when they shout out your order in the queue in the golden fry tell them I said no charge for this lady today
16: no, Bob, no problem. Mind yourself. Take care. <laughs> all the best. Bye-bye. Last bunch
1: of shout outs, lad. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Shipping Solutions in Carry Tool. Maeve in the office is here and she's wasting away with the hunger. DB Schenker and Little Island are listening. Good morning. Um, and we also want to celebrate Kean's engagement to Mia at DB Schenker, to CDYS in Middleton, all the hungry youth workers, the Meadows Resilience Care. Should that be residence care, maybe? Forgive me if I'm getting that wrong. B1 in SR Technics and Blackrock keeping the the planes in the sky and getting everyone on their holidays and they could do with feeding. I'd love to chat with this company as to exactly what they do, because that sounds like a really interesting job. The Complete Upholstery and Foam Service in Barrick Street, John Gray Auto Services in Middleton and the Tesco Home Delivery Drivers in Ballon College. So we'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday in a few minutes' time. But family passes, I've been mentioning them all week, all month for all sorts of different locations across the city and county. And I want to give those away again this morning. Make sure you download the Explore Cork app, whatever you do. Think of what I might do is I might take a break take the first song um, from our resident band in studio this morning um, and then um, when the first song is finished chat with the good people at Nano Nagel Place and then take a second song from Dark and Lively so in studio to head up the weekend and get us started in studio Dark and Lively after the break
5: Talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM Whoa.
2: time away playing kings and playing kings and pretty soon you disappear my biggest fear is you won't ring because you never ring The land inheritance of gold could never break the mold you'll see, you'll see, you'll see
1: We've Brian Friday. Tamling in the back Driving an oh, arm yeah. With the big bait Are you anything To Bobby Tamling <laughs>
17: everybody, no? everybody asks that a distant <laughs> relation. I don't know. I knew there'd be some connection there somewhere.
1: Listen, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. I, 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 my timing is all off. That's longer a song than I expected to be, and I'm glad. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to get a second one in, man. Oh, well, that's okay. all right. Okay. That was rocking. So did a good one. So, we did a like you one, did. One, yeah. That's the new single, right? Yep, that's okay. the new single. Try
14: and trust. I've never seen
1: a band with so much stuff online. It's fabulous. Everything it's that you put good, up yeah. there.
14: Yeah, yeah. Someone works, all helps. You
1: and You all grew up together, I think. Is that right? Back in East. Yeah, same parish. Never fell out, no. Never fell out, no. I no, sure not. It's sure, really like- <laughs> so. not the
17: I don't way it is. You go like your separate ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. D- different
1: uh, musical ventures for a while and uh, but we're all back together now. Oh, all saw sense and put yeah. together a super band, Dark and yeah. Lively. Where are you playing next? Sea Church? Have you played there before?
17: You yeah. have, I saw the yeah, video there a few times, yeah. We're really grateful to John Kidney, actually, and everyone at the Sea Church for giving us such support. Isn't it some venue? Unbelievable. Fantastic on our yeah. doorstep. Incredible. Yeah. Oh my God, Incredible I think venue. your gig is probably the Summer Barbecue Sessions, isn't it? It's the Summer Barbecue Sessions. It's in next Tuesday week, the 25th, and the one after that. The following gig after that is the Corner House in Cowork Street uh, Saturday the 19th of August. And not
1: there unbelievable talent on the east side and all over the county though? Yeah, what it's
17: is incredible, side, yeah? Yeah. It, yeah. It's incredible. It's just um, trying to get opportunities and for original music especially is quite hard okay. so. yeah. we're well, okay. really grateful for, sure for this opportunity. Opportunity. listen you're pushing okay. an
1: open door here I'd have any yeah. band in any it's time changed. I think it's, it's very important and it's great entertaining so Mike and Jur and Brian thanks for popping in Dark and Lively Lads they play Sea Charge Ballycotton on the 25th for the summer barbecue sessions keep an eye out for them on Instagram because they're very active and very lively on Instagram yeah too. Instagram yeah.
17: is just the one thing we wanted to plug we, we don't have um and don't have a big management company behind your age. Or, 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 or enough uh, mental health space either for more than one social media <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram is where to find us yeah. and we'd appreciate It'd it if I work with right, well, uh, follow him
1: give him a follow give him a tick at Dark and Lively good to catch up with you guys and thanks, thanks so many for many popping in that, that was great I love starting the weekend with a bit of music how about finishing the weekend with some giveaways John Smith is the CEO at Nano Nagel Place and we have family passes to give away I visited there so I can vouch for it I think they described it as a stunning hidden Gym on Douglas Street. And so it is. Morning to you. Let me get to the phone lines. Morning, John. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I wish I'd more time, but I don't. But you did say that if Nano Nagel would be alive today, she'd be a few hundred years old anyway, but she would be the kind of person to win the Nobel Prize. Why?
8: Well, I mean, she was a real pioneer of her times, uh, Neil. I mean, when you think back 18th century Cork, um, and Nano Nagel came from a family of means, and... uh,
1: Again, my apologies for some extraordinary reason that just flipped on me. Are you still there with me, John? I am. Can I think hear me? you did. You just say she came from a wealthy family.
8: Yeah, a family of means from Ballygriffin, and uh, she was educated in France. And yet she came back and saw poverty. And at the time of the penal laws, where it was illegal for Catholic children to have an education, she was horrified by this injustice and set up a school. And that turned into seven schools. And then in 1775, she set up the Presentation Sisters, all with an ethos of bringing education to Catholic children. And now the Presentation Sisters are in 20 countries all around over the, the world. world. So the seven schools and, yeah, were for
1: poor children across the city of Cork in the 1780s. Yeah?
8: That's right. Yeah, yeah. And they were in primarily, you know, it, because it was illegal for Catholic children to access education. That, oh that's who she was targeting. So was it's amazing. It? And I suppose Nananagle Place today then is you know, I suppose a 21st century representation of what she stood for with social justice projects, you know, a beautiful site, a sacred place and lots to offer.
1: Didn't she then, did she set up almshouses for the poor? What would an almshouse have been then?
8: Yeah, she would have like, I mean, really, she was known as the lady with the lantern, Neil. So she went all over Cork in the evenings with her lantern, visiting poor families, poor communities and, just, and then she set up these houses where people came and, you know, they, they were given dinners, they were given food, they were just given whatever it is they needed. So primarily her focus was education, but she, you know, saw the poverty around her and responded to it, you know, so she really was a pioneer of her time. And she,
1: did she pass away on Douglas Street because I visited her grave there? She did, yeah,
8: yeah. I mean, her, her grave is still here. It's, you know, it was redeveloped with the whole Nananagle Place redevelopment, you know, back in 2018. So it's a beautifully set, you know, her tomb is beautifully set there in a very reflective space in that graveyard where there are many of the original presentation sisters are also resting there. So it adds to the whole site as a kind of a sacred place, a place where people can come to reflect as well as a place you know, of social justice and education and of culture, you know.
1: And of course, the museum is just fantastic and it's well yeah. worth You can get a guided tour or you can do it yourself, self-guided. And don't forget Absolutely. the Good Day Delhi. What can I tell you? That's a serious cafe. It's an award-winning cafe. It's all sustainable Absolutely. and local as well. It's well worth going there hungry.
8: That's right, and, and, and before I forget, the play. one of the things we wanted to mention to you today is we're launching the Playful Culture Trail, which is basically about 15 organisations, ourselves, the Crawford Art Gallery, Cork Public Museum, St. Finbar's Cathedral, and if you visit any of these maps, this is going to run for the summer, or sorry, you visit any of these sites, you can pick up a map. And it's for families, you know, to be able to find out things of culture, you know, sustainability, education. It's a wonderful initiative that is funded by Cork City Council and is going to run for the entire summer for July and August. So we'd encourage families to get out and about. Our theme this year is sustainability. They'll find Blaheen the Lizard, the sustainable artist in all of these sites so get out there with your families and you
1: know and um, I see have those fun. I see the Shandon Bells are on board City Jail's on board That's Crawford's right. on board yep. the Elizabeth Fort is on board um, and listen it. it's great to catch up with you continue to do what you do because it's just a great place to visit I want to give away some family passes have a good weekend John thank you so much John Smith pleasure thanks CEO at Nine Place so four passes we'll give it to callers 9, 10, 11 and 12 and 0818104106 and of course we will continue across the summer to give away great passes family passes to all sorts of great Cork Tourist Attractions. Download the Explore Cork app. Final bit of business is our Free Food Friday, and I believe that Free Food Friday this week is going to Mitchellstown, to the Dairy Gold account, Accounts Payable Department in Mitchellstown. And Alyssa is part of that gang. Good morning. Hi, Neil Harting. I hear you're all in your own little cubicles down there, and all the heads are popping up now when you found out you'd yes. won. All
9: the heads popped up when they heard me on the phone.
1: <laughs> How many of you? How many of you are there? There's
9: twenty of us oh, working hard, sleeping,
1: starving. Absolutely. Well, is it, is it hard work crunching numbers? It's not as if you're making cheese or anything. You're doing the business with the pen, is it? Is that hard work?
15: Oh, it's the
1: important stuff, Neil. That's the, yeah, well, you've got to get paid. Making
15: sure everyone gets
1: paid. Making sure everybody gets paid. Well, your yeah. labours are being rewarded this lunchtime because the Red Patrollers are on the way, courtesy Woo-hoo. of yourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, feeding for all 20 of you at Dairy Gold. Well done, Elish. Now, can you, you, gather, you, can, it, can, can you gather the gang of scribes from beneath their cubicles and give me a big, week, give me a big me. weekend shout-out?
2: Oh my god, that's one of the best we've had
1: in years. Well done. Sounds like a lot It sounds a lot more than nineteen or twenty of you. You must be very hungry for the food. Enjoy enjoy Elish. Have a great weekend.
9: Thanks, Neil. Thanks a Take All the best. Take
1: day. care of yourself. And thank Bye. you to everybody down in Mitchelstown um, and indeed Dairy gold They've been listening for a long, long time and they've also been texting for a long, long time. Can I just love you and leave you and say, with regards to a long, long time, it's a sad day today because today Phil Burke presents his last show here on Cork's Red FM and it's a poignant day for me and a sentimental day for me and, and I know for, for Lana as well because we've worked with Phil Burke for a long, long time. In fact, I think probably back to the early 90s, am I right in that regard? Would it be then?
17: Yeah, I'm, I'm 21 years working with Phil.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Um, I'm probably a little bit longer than that, I would say, when he came to, to 96 originally. Yeah,
17: he wasn't C103
16: for a while, he? was, and yeah. moved up, yeah. yeah. But
1: you wouldn't meet a nicer, nicer no, guy. No, he's
16: one of my best friends in Red Affair, yeah. I have to
2: say.
1: And it's awfully sad when friends part, of course, and he's going to a, a different part of the country, but I think I stand on behalf of everybody to wish him well.
2: Oh, yeah, and we'll miss him terribly. Yeah,
1: without a doubt
8: yeah and don't be a stranger Philip Burke you know where we are
1: we wish him well we wish you well one of life's life's good guys and it's been a pleasure journeying with him before behind the mic and also off the mic and I wish him well lines of stay open lads you can text 0868104106 have a good weekend I'll see you Monday for
0: more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie
15: forward slash podcasts